everyone, and welcome to episode 125 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke, alongside Carl Jones. Evening, everybody. And G. John Chase. Say my name. And we are back this week to talk about NXT TakeOver War Games. So the Survivor Series 2017 and beyond. Uh, Kieran O'Rourke was going to be with us today, but unfortunately he's, uh, he's booked tickets to go and see Wolves at Molyneux on the wrong day. And, uh, and he is not here with us today. However, Carl, you have made a supreme sacrifice going here one day after surgery. <laughs> surgery! Do you care to tell the listeners about what the surgery was? Well, God knows the listeners probably think that I... Uh... <laughs> I spew enough uh, crap from my mouth from time to time, so uh, I've I've recently been in for uh, not a fully fledged surgery, but a uh, a sigmoidoscopy, as they call it. So whilst you can I, Google that, folks. Yep. Whilst I can assure the li- work. whilst I can assure the listeners that my colon is perfectly clean, I've still got more crap to spew from my mouth. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, much to discuss this week. Of course, we also have your feedback on both shows to get to today that you left for us at facebook.com slash scgradio. And in a quick programming note for next week, uh, we will be doing a show talking about, and this is where I get my plug in, but um, tsh, um Crazy Like a Fox, the definitive chronicle of Brian Pillman 20 years later. Our, uh, our good friend Matt Holt will be back with us for that episode. And, uh, of course, the book is now available on Amazon, so if you want to check it out, a life story of uh, Brian Pillman, as constructed by yours truly. Uh, and we'll be talking all about the process of putting it together and, and the book itself next week, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that one, gentlemen. So, uh, as long as you keep your pants on while we're talking about you. Hey, I'm, I'll, be do- I'll be doing just fine. I'll, I'll, I think I'll stay calm. And it's, it's more Matt Holt getting the chance to do uh, what he wants to do for the first time. <laughs> He's the one that's going to have the, uh, the issue with the trousers under the table. But uh... All of a sudden, I'm back on the operating table. <laughs> <laughs> No, let's move now to San Antonio, who uh, witnessed the return of war games, gentlemen, here. On a, on in a manner of speaking. In a manner of speaking on Saturday night. I was going to go through the card uh, match by match, but broad thoughts going in. What were you, what were you hoping for from war games? Um, well, in the sort of interest of full disclosure, I must admit, I've become a bit of a lapsed fan recently when it comes to NXT. It, it was, up to a point, it was the one show I'd watch consistently on the network, and that hasn't happened over the last few weeks. So right. I'd, I'd missed a bit of the build. So I must admit, you two might be able to fill me on this. I was oblivious to the notion before the show that there wasn't going to be a roof on the cage, so that surprised me. The shark cages also surprised me. I don't know if any of this was referenced on NXT prior to to the event itself. So that was uh, that was certainly a, yeah. a striking difference. WWE.com announced the rules yeah. and mentioned the cages, but the cage the, the cage without the roof was a, a late mention by Trips on the, the conference yeah. call. Ah, yeah, so that's, that's what I heard about it. Yeah, it's, it's late breaking news on the conference call. So yeah, so so that was sort of a bit of a, a jarring thing at, at the gate from the show. But on the whole, I'm I'm fairly positive about the show as a whole. I'm sure obviously we'll get uh, we'll get into the the weeds of the event as we go forward. Um, yeah, I, I, similar kind of situation to Carl, really. Um, even, even though being a big NXT fan, I've kind of found myself being a little bit more lapsed, though not as much as Carl. Was a little worried about like the three-team prospect, because I mean, yes. think of 98. Yes, that, that um, harkens back to a more yes. harrowing event. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, well, I sure hope Ultimate Warrior doesn't come back. Uh, for multiple reasons, um, and um, and I, and he, and here's uh, and but the thing was when I found out, I thought, okay, I get why they're doing this. Though I said, look, luckily though, they don't they don't kind of like if this. I, I basically say this was a success, and whether they want to 
transplant this over to onto the main roster that i hope they don't feel the need that from now on they have to work the war games in this style now it works for them currently because their thing seems to be they have a massive hard-on for three-man groups at the moment but you know the great thing about war games is that if the time kind of like states they can always change it back to the old rules again like maybe if they actually want to build up a smackdown versus raw uh pay-per-view properly and actually spend some months doing it war games is a perfect uh, kind of uh, match to use that with but very um passive aggressive there wasn't it yeah um <laughs> well wait, wait till we get that car um but uh yeah when i found out about the roof not being uh, on on there uh, i didn't know about the shark cages um I got a bit, I got a bit, the slightly kind of, um, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you say necessarily the OCD side of me got slightly annoyed by this because it was almost like the same way as someone turned around saying we're having a ladder match, but it's actually a King of the Mountain match. And he turned around and said, but that's not a ladder match though. He goes, no, it is. It has a ladder in it. No, a ladder match, you climb up the ladder, you grab the bell. Well, that's what a King of the Mountain is. No, it's not. No, 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 it's not. It's the same way to me, like with, 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 with like, you know, with this war games, but there's no roof, but it's like, yeah, but that's kind of what made it individual along with obviously the double ring aspect was that it was a normal cage but it had a ceiling not a hell in a cell but a normal cage so i was a bit kind of like um i was kind of a bit mixed i was like i was like looking forward to it but at the same time it's like uh, are they are they fucking the budgie here <laughs> we'll come back to that because that's there's some good points on that i want to touch on we actually get to the match itself we'll kick it off here with what they kicked it off with which was cassius ono and his terrible entrance music and his worst gear <laughs> as a funny aside i am um, i was watching this with the uh, with a mate of mine who I've recently shown uh, some of the ROH CZW feud. Oh yeah. Back to so I, I showed him the initial um, sort of tag match or brawl of, of you, as you'd call it, and then the the sort of war games. Oh, the cage of cage death. of death mm-hmm. that um, death for dishonor. Uh, and the first was that was, you've shown me him before. I said yeah, that was Chris Hero. The fuck's happened to him? Oh. He's like gained another person. You think Cesaro upgraded with uh, with uh, Sheamus over uh, over uh, well, Cassius? Well, I don't they, were good, they were a good team. They were a good team. They, they, they were, and I think it's it's it's, it's clearly evident at this point that Cesaro was the sort of proverbial gym buddy who basically got his ass into the gym. Yeah, um, he, he kind of has a bit of a Tom Dreamer. Tom Dreamer, yeah. That's that top on, we know, it's a bit of a kiwi. He moves great from up in top, God yeah, bless yeah, him. Yeah. However, a man with a fantastic uh, shape is Lars Sullivan. Jesus. Vince McMahon's next wet oh, dream. Yeah. Oh, dude, this is, the second he sees him, walking hard on him, with that face, with that body, oh. he's going to love him. So, let's get to it here. Lars Sullivan beats Cassison in about five minutes. Hard-hitting encounter, a lot of uh, sharp elbows and stuff, but... I quite like Lars Sullivan's potential. I, I think this is exactly what it needed to be. Hmm. I mean, um, obviously, Lars' sort of exposure on TV prior to this has largely been uh, the tag matches where he, you know, with a no name, hmm. who he beats up after they've lost, where he's done very little himself prior to that. So, if you're going to start this sort of singles push, matches have got to be short, you know, hard hitting like this was. And, and the right amount of time, you know, a good five minutes. You don't need to go any longer than that. You're establishing him. Mm. So just make it sort of an impactful five minutes rather than try and drag it out to a ten-minute match, which bores the arse off a crowd. And with an opener, you want something... I, I personally... You want something that's more sort of sharp with a bit of snap to it. And this definitely had that, and with the right result to boot. Yeah. I see, to your point, Liam, I, I think there's plenty of upside to Lars Sullivan. I just hope they don't uh, they don't rush this... Because that's that's obviously the fear. 
he's money, he's money right now, yeah. and they're not ready to be money right now, and that's kind of, <laughs> I see that with Lars Sullivan, not that he, I think that, oh man, massive holes yeah. in his game, he doesn't strike it's, like one of them. Yeah, it's not, it's not the, I should stress, in a lot of cases, it's not the talent's fault, mm. they haven't, they haven't demanded, they've been no. brought up early, it's just the predicament they find themselves in. Yeah, precisely. I think this is pretty much the role Ono should play. He's not getting called up to the main roster, I don't see, or unless he's just going to play the same role on the main roster. And I, and I just thought it was a solid, um, nicely short, just the right amount of time, just the right kind of amount of hard-hitting kind of action in it that basically uh, showcased the, the strengths of Lars whilst uh, hiding, uh, uh, obviously, some of the cons to him. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, th I think there's definitely an upside to him, but he is green as goose shit. Oh, yeah. And I think, like... There is that worry too uh, about like them calling him up like next year after WrestleMania, and I think there is a potential to it. The look is great. I mean, he's kind of like the sort of guy that like Stu Hart would look at, and he'd be like, "Look, <laughs> 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 In fact, I think you know, he might have actually stretched on wrestling with shadows. I'm not sure. <laughs> he might. He might. He might. <laughs> look at the vein. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he's he's like he's thick. He's like not necessarily muscular, but he is. But but you know, like but he's thick, and and it's just like Jesus, he looks big. And this is like my my opinion is going to contradict. I'm sure everyone else here, like Braun Strowman, is I think Braun Strowman should be uh, should be uh, a key focus point of the company, uh, particularly if he's going to be a babyface going forwards. And like you kind of need like an interesting heel down the line, way way down the line for him to go up against. And it's like, is it going to be Lars? Because it's got to be someone realistic. The way they're building up like Braun Strowman, where he's like a superhero that can survive being like compressed into a garbage truck. It's like it's got to be someone like someone badass and like Lars. Whilst he may not be as tall, like from the general thickness of him, he just looks like he can handle himself. It's like okay, this is an interesting other monster that they can bring in and could maybe have an interesting, though albeit limited, uh, match between him and Strowman. This is the thing with Strowman. They brought him up way too early from NXT when when he was briefly in, and it kind of in the long run worked out for them. But that was in the long run, by it, it, by accident, not in the short term. In the short term, it, it was fucking atrocious. Yeah. It took him ages and ages and ages, and, and a real fucking strong booking to get him over. And I think that should be a lesson learned, and not like it should be. Uh, that was the exception, not the rule. I hope they don't turn around and say, "Oh, well, well we did that with Strowman. Let's just do it with him, and let's just see if we strike lucky again." It's like don't. Do it properly. Well, as as we've seen with their general treatment of baby faces these days, they oh. don't tend to look at anything as the exception. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Ono is capable of great, great things, but uh, I don't think he's going to get really much of a chance to do them. I'm not necessarily sure that he should, I guess, compared to the people in terms of uh, long-term upside. However, we were talking about guys who were green uh, not all that long ago. That does move us to... The Velveteen Dream and Alistair Black, and you talk about a guy that was greener than a leprechaun's dick about six months ago, Patrick Clark, God bless him, and here he is now as the Velveteen Dream, stealing the show. This, <laughs> this was quite peculiar to watch. This was great to watch. But it was, it was entertaining, um, and whilst it's still fairly evident that when it comes to actual in-ring work, there's a lot to be done. Yeah, I think we can, we can say that without question. He's got the character down to a T. Just, I think he needs a lot more time down there. Yeah, he does. Um, but you know, so far, as far, as far as as far as starts go, there's noticeable improvement. He's only twenty two. He's only twenty two. The, the the character is is working wonders. Um, and it was and whilst it whilst it was a strange match. 
it was certainly entertaining. See, that's the thing for me. I love, I love this, and this will, will come back to this as a recurring theme to me throughout the show in many ways. Is I love this match because it was one where the characters and the backstory actually mattered, and the way that he, yeah, that that it seems so like Velveteen Dream, the way Dream played it was I thought perfect because like when he got the heat what he was doing actually had a relevance to what had happened before and what was going to happen in the future and as the black's reactions to everything and constantly not putting him over and mind games but it wasn't like it was mind games in a type of way where if most people like if Bray Wyatt did stuff like this it kind of rings really hollow but because Velveteen Dream hasn't been soiled and we're still seeing kind of the creation of him before our very eyes when he does stuff like the way you know that they're sitting you know, where they're both mocking each other with a sit down both mocking each other with the way they're facing each other and stuff like that and tying, you know, the tying up in the ropes which is a call back to the angle they did and it's like this actually has relevance to what's actually been going on it's why it, was, it felt fresh coming out there in his little fucking chaps and his little San Antonio garb with the Rick Rude airbrush tights and this guy's been watching tons of Rude you can tell not just in the hip swivels but in the way he hits that sit down chin lock to get a rest hold is vintage 93 lazy Rude <laughs> so uh, I-, I was very happy with this this was really fun the crowd was uh, I'm, and I'm this is the crowd was the story of the match to me because I was we, yeah, we were in Orlando when I was the Black debut G yep at TakeOver and I wasn't as sold on him and I'm not particularly as sold on him as some others are mm-hmm. and not that I don't think he's good because I do think he's good but I just he doesn't hook me whereas this I thought this was a this was a, a maybe it's just because he needs someone with a bit of oomph behind him it's, as an it's, opponent it's a good foil it's yeah, a good foil the, the, con- the contrast works very well um, I'm kind of with you on Alistair Black I think he's I think it's it's a bit of a miscast sort of the persona and the way he carries himself to me says heel not babyface maybe but I do think that there's probably a uh, I think that if he played it as a heel with his style he'd probably get over as a babyface pretty quick anyway yeah that's, audience, that's, that's probably true which is probably why they put him there I would, I would guess I'd venture a wager with this match and, and the, the, the opening it was sensible smart booking okay uh, Patrick Clark or Velveteen Dream isn't a Mac technician yet. He doesn't have everything down. So we build the story of the match through the characters. Perfect. With with some then then physical interactions sort of com- coming and going throughout the match. So and the, the near falls were good too. And the near fall and pe- people were buying it. And uh, yeah, so far I, I think as far as the show goes, it was two for two. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I uh, I absolutely loved this match. <laughs> I adored it. This was my favourite match of the weekend. Okay. And the reason why. Uh, is uh, whilst there's going to be obviously at least two more matches uh, that could probably be up there for best match of the weekend those matches already had a high expectation from me I was intrigued by the match because I was following the build up to it that was one of the few things I was actually watching NXT for was this build up because uh, um, Patrick Clark's character kind of just like like called to me it's like like, sorry he's he's, like facially like he's dressing up and with the purple like Prince He has an elbow drop that gives the like Macho Man a uh, hard on, let alone me. And now on this show, he comes out dressed like with Rude's like trunks, doing like his gestures and doing the uh, Rude Awakening. How do I hate him? <laughs> How do I hate him? It's physically impossible. He's now my new favourite. Okay. And I know it's early days. I know it's early days. But I was exactly like you guys with Alistair Black. As in, I was just like, okay, I see what they're trying to do here, but I don't get it. Um, he kind of comes across basically the way, as you say, the way he portrays himself. Is, uh, this is basically what CM Punk wishes he was like in real life. 
you know, just kind of like, like, you know, like <laughs> Kieran's not here, we can still get a punk job in. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, it's like, okay, I kind of get that, but whatever. What was great about this match was exactly what you said. It was all about the characters and the fact it was this uh, vibrant character bringing out, I think, a different side of Alistair Black, which now actually, like beforehand, I was like, mm, I'm not so sure. Now I'm a little, I'm not quite on the bandwagon yet, but I'm chasing after it. I'm kind of interested. I'm thinking, okay, I can get what you mean. If I see more character development like this, or like an interesting counterpoint to him, then I'll be more interested in Alistair Black. But the story of this was completely Velveteen Dream. I wish for multiple reasons that he stays in NXT because I know if he gets called up, all that good stuff that you like about him, gone. They'll get rid of it. That DDT was like the best fucking DDT I've seen in like years. Um, you know, it was absolutely phenomenal. But it was the interplay, like you mentioned with the spot where, um, you know, he, he's uh, Black's going to dive to the outside. So Velveteen Dream thinks, oh, I'm going to, I've choreographed this. He's going to dive into the ring, but Black has already counted it into his like into his sit down position. And it was the look on his face, on Clark's face. And he's like, oh, I fucking thought I had you. And just that whole interplay, like he swivels the hips and then he ignores him. So he sits down next to them. And then it's all like this counterpoint, this great character build. And the thing that I thought about like Clark, which really impressed me, is like, yes, all the little things here and there can come in time. But the thing that just really got to me is I thought, this guy has got serious potential. Is his facials were fantastic. Like, was it hammy? Yes. Was it bad? No. Okay, we need more ham. How many times have we <laughs> talked on this podcast about great heels and stuff, and they've all come from the school of ham? Yeah. Okay, Vince McMahon, Rude himself, uh, Bobby Heenan, uh, Kurt Henning, all these guys, right? It's not a bad thing. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna use an example here, Carl. But hold on to your ass here, right? Because this, 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 this is this is an extreme one, right? This is this is this is an extreme one. This is extreme uh, comparison, right? But this was a little bit a little bit similar in context to Austin McMahon in terms of Austin's serious badass persona mixed with the hammy nature of Vince McMahon. And that's what you got here. You've got the very serious like character of Alistair Black with the over-exuberance of, of uh, Velveteen Dream. Dream, which I just absolutely loved. And I just thought like the back and forth character action was great. He sold he sold all the way through that match. You watch that match every single moment, even when he's going up to try and do the finisher on the elbow drop. He's holding both his jaw from all the kicks he's had and his freaking side from when it was worked over earlier. This guy is fucking smart. <laughs> he's smart and he's learning. And the fact that he said he's 22, I didn't know he was that young. The fact he's 22 and the way he's developing is almost scary. That's why I'm worried that he might get called up early because if you let him develop, this guy could be seriously special. And I just, I just love this match. It was so simple. It was so character-based, which is, oh, that's amazing. A wrestling match in WWE that's actually character-based. It is a rarity, folks. You might think it's not. It fucking is. It's, it's not when it's Bray Wyatt. Uh, when it's Bray Wyatt, it's uh, all character. Oh, God. And it's bad. But it's atrocious. And not to not to break up the, the, the flow, but like you say, that and it's the reason why I mentioned why before about the character thing, the over-reliance on it. That's why that's that's the concern. And it's like hopefully, like I said, in time he, he becomes so well-rounded that he doesn't need to rely on it anyway. But hey, I enjoyed this. What it was again, as a standalone, we're judging this as one match in isolation. Very enjoyable. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's like it, as I said, it's only just like the beginning of it. We don't know how he's going to develop from here, but what, what we see is good signs, even more so than with Lars Sullivan. With this guy, just seems like, and I've actually I didn't realise he was from Tough Enough, yeah. and I, amazing. Did he win it? No. Did he come uh, penultimate? No. He actually got eliminated quite early on. Losers. Right. Okay. This, this is this is what happens. Right. But, but sorry, if, I, if I'm right, I'm thinking that ne neither of the win the winner isn't there anymore. No. no neither no. of them. Neither of them. 
it's after all said and done and the crowd is like basically he just turns around he pulls like the the the, the microphone from apparently from his penis from the looks of it just pulls it out of his crotch and looks at it and the crowd is universally telling him say his name because they're fully behind this guy now and and you know what it would have been so easy and lazy of him for him to just get up and walk away because he's a badass okay because he's a badass and he's, just, he's cool and walks away it's like no I love the detail he actually turns around and just says uh, the words of enjoy your infamy Velveteen Dream and actually says the name and it's Clark's selling of that like he's still he's still like like pouring at him like a fucking sick puppy after the last he's still selling like the kick to the face he's like pouring at him like oh, I'm still gonna get you I'm still gonna get you and then when he says it it's like this like mixture of like he's still trying to get consciousness back but just like did he just fucking say my name and I just thought like that was fucking beautiful that is so small and she turns around and says okay you act like a boy try and get my attention but you fought me like a man so I'm actually going to give you this and it's like that ca character development is so fucking key and so I absolutely adore this match this is a match I've actually watched the most times back my only fear I guess going forward before we move on is he's now a baby face <laughs> So it took it took him one match, but it's the same crowd. It's it's the same audience. They're going to react the same way. They're going to cheer him like crazy when he's at the next tapings. We all know it. So I am afraid that the babyface version of this will not be nearly as entertaining as the heel could be. I, I smell skits with R Truth, Gold Dust, and Breezango. Yeah, you see what, you see what I'm saying. Which moves us on now to the crowning of the new NXT Women's Champion, Ember Moon, beating uh, Kyrie Sane, Nikki Cross, and Peyton Royce. Short change on time. Somewhat this match, but I thought at the same time there were spots in this where it was all over the place. So um, it was it was quite um, quite clunky. Yeah, which isn't the first time I use that word to describe a women's match over the course of this week. It won't be the last one. <laughs> yeah. um, we talk about sort of really contrived characters, and you've got someone like a, like a Nikki Cross, for example, who just comes across as rabid, and the whole sanity group, which I just don't, you know. You don't buy in. I don't buy into one second. So, it, you know, nothing there sort of screams to me. I think Peyton Royce is terrible. <laughs> I think she's awful. I don't mind the duo as as an act. As an act, as an act, that's that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I like them yeah. together. But, as a, as a, but when you yeah. it's the second you put her in that ring, yeah, God, it's like a duck taking to concrete. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm re really, really not a fan. Um, it's probably. See, I've, I've sort of read a fair bit of feedback about how you don't put the belt on Ember Moon here because sort of you, you crown the champion after she couldn't beat yeah. mm. Oscar. But when you look at the four of them as a group, I sort of sit there and think, well, it's probably too early to put the belt on Sane, so that's clearly the, the best wrestler there, I would argue. But you, know, you want the chase for her. Nikki Cross, does putting the belt on her really do much? No, because she's more of a, an association with the group of Sanity. And as I say, Peyton Royce is terrible. So you know, you you go with Ember Moon. The only sort of disagreement I have is I wouldn't have had Asuka there at all. Mm. Yeah. Why why do you why do you hand the belt over? Why why does the sort of the quote unquote killer who's you know it, they as, who's portrayed as destroying everyone in sight? Not actually how it pans out, but that's the portrayal. Mm. Why is she then happy to hand the belt over to Ember Moon and to hug her? Despite, it, but she cheated twice. Yeah, to beat her. Yeah, and Ember was just so yeah. happy to win the belt. Yes. It was and, like watching Miss America take yeah. the flowers. It's it's more like Lisa winning Little Miss Springfield after the original winner's been struck by lightning. <laughs> but it just it it plays into the sort of the worst element of NXT 
of this sort of self-contained pat on the back togetherness bullshit that sort of take, can take you out of a moment like the four horse women. <laughs> I love it I love like it like the four horse <laughs> yeah. women. you know what those matches were great with, with Bailey and Sasha Banks you don't need the group hug in the end this self-contained we're so pleased for sure. no it just doesn't it's, work it's, it's ha- unnecessary it's half a step away from the PWG we're all in on this together rim job pro wrestling yeah it, it's the old, it's uh, that, that whole breaking the you know the sort of the breaking the fourth wall type of thing addressing it's no it's just unnecessary yeah so by all means have Regal award the belt to he's the commissioner that makes sense and have a celebrate in the ring yeah. bring back a Lundra Blaze or something just yeah. drop a off balls yeah. Yeah. Well, just bring, bring yeah. Bring someone, someone like that back is, is absolutely fine to, to award the belt to a champion. Yeah. I, I don't mind them doing that sort of thing when it's an open belt. But And the match itself wasn't anything to shout home about. I think what sums up the match quite nicely is Ember Moon's finisher, which the name which I've forgotten. The Eclipse. T- the Eclipse. I was going to say Total Eclipse. We're getting into <laughs> Bonnie Tyler territory there. But, <laughs> but the, the Eclipse, which I'm not a fan of as a move anyway. It's too contrived for my liking. But she hits it <laughs> and then... Peyton Royce's what happened, what, Peyton, what happened to the Indian Deathlock, Carl? Yeah. Peyton Royce's cell of it. <laughs> she falls out the ring. It's just hilarious. Yeah. Sort of typified the match for me in a way. Yeah, she's not sure Michaels. No. Um, yeah, this this was uh, this was the uh, down point of the show for me. Um, I got the strong sense that they were trying to replicate unsuccessfully. Uh, the fatal four-way uh, from a couple of years before with the four horsewomen. Kaizen, yeah, is absolutely by far the better wrestler. Is it a bit too early? Maybe. At the same time, she won a tournament. So that's still fresh in the mind rather than just like it happened and let's forget about it. I would have I led more towards Kaizen winning this just because of that notion of Ember Moon was a failure trying to beat Asuka, whether Asuka was there or not. She failed to win the belt twice off her then to have her just win it now is just like well you only won it now because you know the top guy isn't there whilst at least with Kyrie Zane it could have been well you never faced Asuka so you're legit in the championship and then if Ember Moon beats you that's a re-established Ember Moon with a new uh, uh, um, uh, new feud which hasn't got that stigma on it and just having Asuka there I think you're right was just like a rubber shit in the face it's just like you can't you couldn't beat me, but here you go. Here's offering it, and the glad handing and the back patting. It it didn't come across well at all to me. I don't I don't quite get. I know why she's there, but I don't get why she had to be there. If you're keeping Ember Moon down, which is what they're clearly doing, yeah. I think you you may as well put the belt on her now, and have same beta for it, and then she can go up to the main roster. At I do, some stage. actually. I really like the idea. The only the only other one I would have possibly gone with uh, would actually, despite what I've said would be to have had Peyton Royce win steal the belt steal yeah. the belt and have the undeserving champion for it and then yeah. you can have Ember Moon just kill her perhaps because a perfect contrast to Asuka holding it and being the most yeah. deserving champion yeah. is the, that it doesn't deserve it yeah. the flip side the flip side and, and I hope it's where they go with this and it's why I'm a, I'm a little I'm not so um, down on the idea of Ember because I think that she had less momentum than Sane as well but I do think that if they do this in such a way where now Kyrie's chasing her and now she's in the position Asuka was in where she has to cheat and turn heel to save the belt the same way Asuka did then Ember's the heel and Sane's because Sane's going to end up being the top A face of anyway so if Sane wins it straight away the only way around it is for Ember to turn heel and challenge her which then takes away the element of, of wanting to see Sane's champ because he gets it straight yeah, away and I, and I think there's a bit of a to me and maybe it's just a perception of my own I think there's a bit of a disconnect 
between Ember Moon and even that NXT crowd to an extent because you look yep. at her interactions with Asuka I don't care if they're telling you Asuka's the heel the fans She's don't buy her as the heel no, the fans wanted it to be Ember Moon and I think if you had babyface mm. you have babyface Ember and babyface Kyrie oh, outs- yeah. outside I, I, of Houston I will stress yes. bearing in mind that was Ember's hometown there's another yeah. irony winning in your hometown yeah. you know, in any sort of what I'll call standard equation I think that audience gravitates towards saying not Ember Moon mm. so I think yeah. we move now to the NXT Championship match with Andrade C and Elmas uh, surprisingly winning the NXT title over Drew McIntyre <laughs> yes. um, and thank God <laughs> yeah I was uh, I was quite shocked by this one I must admit yeah um, I'm happy with this because I Drew Drew's one of those ultimate, he's, I've got a touch of the Ortons with Drew but it's like he's got a lot of the tools in the chest but it just it just doesn't hook me well again going into this idea of someone even being... though I know he's good I can see he's good in the same way I like Orton I can see Orton's good but I just it just doesn't suck me in as a top guy to me he's got the wrong disposition again this is this is someone who to me screams a heel doesn't really come across as a baby face I've never thought the way he speaks on the microphone comes across particularly convincing in a baby face role so for me someone who's, who's more suited to be a heel um I must admit, I, uh, I really didn't see this result coming. The act with Almas and um, Zelina Vega, Zelina Vega, has clearly tremendous. has clearly done wonders for him, considering yeah. how much, how badly he was floundering. When he he, first he came was to fucked. NXT. As a baby face, he was doomed. Absolutely screwed. But uh, but no, this this has certainly rejuvenated him. And uh, and he wrestled like it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the finish still felt like it came out of nowhere to me. The DDT on the the, 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 the botched DDT, which I think I don't I don't know if if was. Drew hurt himself from that or hurt himself before that. It's the DDT, sure. it's the DDT apparently, sure. yeah. which obviously which obviously sucks for him because it looks like that's going to be six months, yeah. if if not longer. Mm. Um, and I was sort of going through the process at the time of well, they're calling McIntyre up to the main roster, so I didn't yeah, think that have him have him drop the belt no, to Almas. That that was my thought. My mm. my first thought was. Ah, well, we know Vince has liked him in the past, so he's probably calling him up. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would have argued it was too soon for him to drop the belt. Yeah, yeah. But all things being what they are, I, again, I, I, I'm happy with, with this. Like before, we actually get into the actual mix of the bout itself. Andrade, the character, I like this. I like the fact that he wins because it actually feels like all that stuff of the kind of the, the, the pseudo redemption like if you can even call it that story they've been building yeah. over the last little while where he's a party he's not yeah. focused it's the reason why his career's been floundering Selena comes in gets him focused and it actually pays off in, in a way the yeah. significance of adding her to the end exactly and it's like okay, together they are they're a good act together they they feel fresh they feel energetic and I, 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 I'm not upset to have him as the top guy in NXT I do think that there's maybe a little bit of a void of challenges but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it I think Black's the only candidate, yeah, really. Black's the main one. Uh, when I first watched the match, I thought it was good. When I watched the match a second time today in preparation for this, I actually think it's a really, it's a really, really good match. Really good match. They go at a breakneck speed on this, and the action is fast. There's lots of close falls. When I was watching the match initially, I think I know the exact moment it was. It was when um, Vega does the shortcut Hurricane Rana. Uh, interference and then he hits the hammerlock like DDT that I generally thought wow I thought you know what you're going to get full points for that because for a second you made me think he was going to win 
right? <laughs> and then it turns out he actually does. And I was absolutely stunned. And clean. I, because, uh, I, again, clean. weird book. Here's the thing. Because, holy shit, where's, where's La Sombra been? Yeah. There's La Sombra. La Sombra was great. Yeah. Like, he was a really good hot prospect. And then he came in with the freaking fedora and the freaking suspenders and just looked like you know just a dick I, I was going to say a different word um, but he, he just looked freaking awful and then he turned heel and there was still no reaction and that was the worrying thing there was no booze there was no cheers there was no X-Pac heat or anything like that there was just nothing they did not react to this guy for ages and he was doing good solid heel work before Vega came along I was like what's going on here like he's getting nothing it's tumbleweed out there and this guy's good it's fucking la sombra but you could also see the performance wasn't quite there he was coming along slowly bit by bit but it's like what's going on with this guy up until vega came into that act i was absolutely positive that he was going to be let go at the end of the year yeah and like little like little kind of things like and this is a small thing for a lot of people but like he's not even in the fucking game He's not even like in no, game, and, and, and you think like Cassius Ono's in there, and he just come back and like fucking Lars Sullivan's in the game. Like Cien, who's been in the company two years, isn't in the game when Ruby Riot is. Yeah, and it's like yeah. that's not a good sign. So that's why I was just completely thinking like this <laughs> guy, gone. this he's guy's gone. going to go. And then they bring in this 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 woman, who's just phenomenal by the way. Um, and just it just it was just that missing piece of the puzzle on this act, and you could see it reinvigorated him. The actual performance of the match, like you know, as he's doing like moonsaults to the outside, I was like. La Sombra, he's back <laughs> on the McIntyre front. I, I can kind of maybe see what you mean by there's like the Randy Orton effect. I, on the other hand, I'm absolutely confused as to why he was called to NXT when they re-signed him. I thought this was a guarantee, like sign up to the main roster. He's already been there for Christ's sake. It's not like Kevin Owens was like, you got to learn how to work our style, kid. It's like this guy knows how to work your style. He's got a great look to him, fantastic fucking look to him. Like he's got the height, he's got the build. Uh, promo skills, yeah, he's not going to beat The Rock anytime soon in that, but like he's solid, he's a lot, he's better than most, uh, to be honest, yeah. uh, especially around NXT, and he has solid matches, and you know, and like the way he carries himself is really good, and he looks like a champion. Yeah, I I enjoyed the match. I I think that the work generally was really good, excellent use of, of Vega with them yeah. in the spots that she was used in. And a I great just, bump off the Claymore yeah, kick too, yes. by the way. I need to mention. That was, I, oh, just, that was, that was I just. I just felt the ending was a little flat to me. It was flat to the After all the shenanigans, yeah. he's beats him yeah. clean with the DDT. Yeah. yeah. And when, you, when you've already had her cheating to help him, why not just have her cheat yeah. to help him win in the end? Moves us now to the main event. Where, we, where it all began, gentlemen, at the start of this podcast. War Games, the Undisputed Era, whatever that means. A terrible, a terrible, terrible name. I, I, I prefer. I don't think anyone actually ever mentioned it. It might have been just the internet talking, but they uh, someone like mentioned like when they first came out, like Dishonored being like. A yeah, name. yeah. I quite like that. A that's lot better. More. I thought. I thought ah, it's a bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Undisputed era beats Sanity and your favourite tag team, Carl. The authors of Pain and Roderick Strong. Yeah. Are the authors of Pain babyface now, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or is it just for the purposes of this story? I've no, wondered. It's they, kind they, of. They were babyface. They kind of. Show, yeah, they kind of meandered towards that when they started yeah. working sanity yeah that's that's not going to work <laughs> but do, do, you know what just to, to briefly address this now before we actually get in the match I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this I'm sure we'll get into them but like, I thought the AOP looked, looked great in this match but oh yeah myself, I thought they looked fantastic yeah but the issue there is there's plenty of bodies there's people who can bounce around for them yeah. I'm saying it's not going to work get them as a babyface tag team doing standard babyface tag team matches 
how the fuck's that going to work? Them selling for someone yeah. that's bigger than most people, it won't. It will not work. Anyway, that's another point for another day. Yeah. By the way, like I say I was I was a bit apprehensive when the rules were announced. Obviously, there's no roof on the cage, which maybe a bit of a nitpicky thing on my part but I thought well it doesn't look like war games the shark the shark tank had me really concerned because they they didn't mention cages or anything they said shark tanks or shark cages he's got to be swimming around they said they said said shark cages I thought Jesus all I could think of was the toy that they'd released about 12 months ago yeah I thought I think they got a special offer on shark cages or something they got fucking tons of them yeah they used it for like um, uh, L wing when they had him up hanging up in the ring as well they had Enzo up there yeah they had Jericho up there Jericho's up there they love their shark cages we're going to see a lot more of it soon it'll just be a match inside a shark cage so um, the thing is, and just to throw this back to you, I was going to mention this earlier on, but I kind of was waiting for this. I think that the lack of a roof was a shortcut, because obviously now the dynamic of this match has changed greatly from a blood match, even though there was blood in the match, where you can't make blood the story, like yeah. you could back in the day, cause it can't be a gri- exactly can't be about blood, it can't be about the, the grudge and, uh, and that on purpose, mm. so it now has to basically be a stunt show in its place. And that's, that, that's my which, feeling on it. Yeah, which I... Yeah. Well... It may be that redefining it, it, I guess, it, a little it, bit. It may, it may just be Vince being a bit pernickety, thinking, "Well, we're going to put a WWE spin on it." Yeah, that's it. Um, if it if it was done purely for that for the superplex spot, it's really unnecessary. Well, people may disagree. I don't know. I don't think that match would have been poorer because that spot wasn't there. But you know. If, if, is a cage being on it the build end all no no like I say it's 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 not necessarily a deal breaker um, it was a slow start this match it was a slow start not a lot of heat on the whole I enjoyed it I, I don't I thought the notion of escaping the cages of forfeit was just unnecessary I thought I thought if that plays okay this is the difference between if, a match if, like if, this if, and a match like Velveteen Dream where you could have told stories here by doing something like that where where you have Adam Cole trying to escape Roddy and then Roddy has a check where like he's Roddy's actually pulling him back not wanting him to escape yeah. not yeah. wanting him to fall because he wants to kill him because yeah. there's a hatred there like, you yeah. could have done stuff like yes, that but they didn't re- they never really played into no, it apart from to build to the superplex spot right at the end so it was never really a focal point of the match so to me that was... then Cole's not even trying to get away he's just kind of snailing yeah. on the top yeah. so, so, it, so it didn't really yeah, so yeah. as it didn't play too much I really didn't think it was necessary but it did bring a little chuckle out of me when Sanity decide to, they're going to bolt the door. Oh, they're going to yeah. put the chain around the door. Yeah, that good. There's no it? roof. <laughs> People can climb. Yeah. What's the point? If they want to get out, there's a way still. Yeah, I, I, I think the real see. This is the thing. This match was very enjoyable. I, I, I really, I thought this was. Yeah, they worked their bollocks off to try and make this. Oh, good. they really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, but there's, there's two points to this. Where number one, the crowd didn't seem to care that much outside of the authors of pain throwing people around as you say Cole until the weapons came in when it, became, when it could become a plunder fest and it could become a stunt show then people would get into it because and I think deep down the reason for that is I think one of the big weaknesses of this war games compared to ones that you've mentioned before mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone there's, there's no baby face in here that you love there's no heel that you hate Roddy, Roddy's no, not, not really. strong enough as a baby face Adam Cole isn't strong enough as a, as a heel the, the, the era is not strong enough as a heel act. No, and, and, and hence... Sanity and, oh, there's a painter in the middle somewhere. It's like it, you're just kind of watching a bunch of guys do a bunch of stuff. And and in some and again, in some environments, 
we see the California PWG, I can see something like that being overlooked because it doesn't really matter all that much. But in this audience, where you kind of got a bit of a half and half, and again, this building was half full. I was going to say that that's yeah. that's that's but, something. But there's a lesson apart. there. During the Velveteen Dream match, I just thought, like, whoa, what the hot fucking one? At least one third of the arena is not there. Uh, yeah, exactly. And there's a big lesson there when you don't have baby faces that are character enough to be truly loved and adored, and you want to see them as a star attraction or a heel that you hate because you want and you want to see a blow off. And again, that's maybe one of my knocks on McIntyre. Like I said, I don't think that Almas had a ton of heat going in. I don't think McIntyre had a t- has a ton of babyface love yet. Mm. I don't think anyone in this match did either. And I think it kind of led to this match being what it was in terms of crowd heat, where they would be up for the spots, the weapon spots, and chanting "We want tables." Yeah. But when it came time no, to actually and, and, execute anything or get some real babyface love, Roddy's yeah. running a house of fire, and no one cares. And, and to your point, there you're getting chants of things like use the table yeah which is which yeah. is indicative of what Come the, on! which is indicative of what the, the crowd wants to mean to your point though Roderick Strong's never been the guy in in any form or fashion has he whether it's in sort of that sister FIP promotion back in the day or, or, in, or in Ring of, Ring of Honor you know you look at Roderick Strong he's not, he's not the guy to, to quote uh, Beyond the Mat he's not Denzel he's, <laughs> he's, he's maybe he's, he's Denzel's friend he's not Denzel He's not the guy. I love that. Yeah. And, and, this, and, and in fairness to, to the Undisputed Era, they're still relatively new. Mm. They haven't had a chance to build up the sort of residual hatred from the audience or the heat, which which possibly plays into that, that lower attendance. So at least from that perspective, I thought it was the right result. Oh, it's the, 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 right the, result. Right, the right team goes over there because you've really got to establish this group. Yeah. And again, this is all very nitpicky from me and, and, and depending on what your view is, but... I, I overall I did enjoy this match. I thought it went it went long, but I think it had to go long to establish this as, as being something different, something new. I didn't have a problem with that. And overall, again, I came away thinking that was a hell of a match, yeah. despite the flaws. Yeah, despite the flaws, it was you know it was still thoroughly enjoyable. In terms of the actual match itself, uh, I completely agree with you. Uh, real slow beginning. Um, the crowd didn't seem to know what to do. I don't know whether that was necessarily because uh, they were unfamiliar with the match or whether it was the changes to the match because I was like still like formulating like so they're in the shark cages are both coming in at the same time then like how are they going to decide is it going to be like the elimination chain where the light shines on them I thought yeah the strong opening yeah it's like the leaders of the three group in here and it's like the crowd are like quiet it's like that's not a good start I didn't think the match got good until AOP came in I think the I agree with you, Carl. That I thought I thought the AOP were going to be last in, but I think the reason why they weren't was because they're going to do the hardcore spot with Sanity, and I think that would have been a little bit more awkward if they did the hardcore spot then AOP. Okay, it's it's getting better and better. Like the AOP are coming, that's getting better. And like okay, so they're now bringing in the hardcore stuff. Okay, Killian Dane is is obviously getting his fair share of the stick here. You know, he's been made to look like one of the strongest outside of uh, Adam Cole, and. It's, I was just watching this match and I was just like, man, do you know what this match could need right now? More than anything else? A little bit of colour. Yeah. Like, this match needs colour and it's not going to happen. And then my prayers were unfortunately answered in the form of Alexander Wolf, <laughs> as he does. Again, this is a weird thing. Like, like, and maybe this is the part that the arena wasn't completely full. He does a top rope German suplex through tables. And yes, the crowd do chant holy shit, but not quite as vigorously as I would like, quite frankly, for such a fantastic fucking spot, which is dangerous in itself in multitude of ways, obviously, by what happens to Alexander Wolf. And it's just like, oh, holy shit, holy shit. But let's just move on to Adam Cole, who's like pissed. Who's piss snaking above the fucking ring, and he, and he doesn't do anything. I won't lie though. 
I did have a bit of a chuckle to myself when, <laughs> when, when no, 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 just with, with everything that's going on, Adam Cole just sits there between the two and just raises his arms. I thought oh. that was a brilliant little spot. Oh, there was a pool, not a puddle, not a little bit. There was a pool of blood on that fucking table where he smashed through. He, and you could hear like the audible crowd as like the, the ring, like the, like an action just suddenly moved to the left-hand side of the ring. They did not go back to the right-hand side, you notice, after that. And you could see like the, them working on on Alexander, like sewn him back up and like the crowd actually reacting when he turns around to show them back of his head and the crowd actually gasped because it must have been a fucking massive gash for that blood to come out. Um, I just thought, oh, okay. But they just didn't acknowledge it. And then the other thing, and this, 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 this is just generally my issue with production uh, with WWE, which is like my biggest thing outside of just their generally bad booking. Because there's a moment here, Adam, uh, Adam Cole is on like the, between the two turnbuckles. Oh, you know what I mean? Between yeah. the two turnbuckles, they're going to do like a move in them, and they do this like stereo, like uh, twin towers, like thing where they just like they knock uh, Tower Doom on either side. And, and, Adam, and, Adam, and Adam Cole is standing there like baby. And then. You could see the two members of AOP like forming, like they're going to do the next spot, and it goes to split screen on on onto like the replay, and then you can actively see the referees talk to the AOP and say like they're replaying, get back down, and they actively just go, Ugh, and then like fall back down again, and like an Adam Cole back going back to like selling before he like does the exact same reaction again, and it's just like. It's like, this isn't like a one-time deal. They've done this plenty of times and it's showcased every single time. Here's a piece of advice on video production, Vince, because I think you've forgotten how to do it. When you decide to do a split screen and there's still action going on in the ring, you pause the replay, not the fucking live action. Get in the performance. This is the issue with current wrestling in WWE is that they're too... They're overproduced. Overproduced. Absolutely horrible. Outside of these little niggles, you can you can admire the uh, the tenacity of everyone in this and what they were trying to do. Yeah, I agree there. Again, I'm, I I really really enjoyed it. So even though we're kind of coming off like we're coming with all the the, the bugbears and all the criticisms, actually nothing to do with them. Yeah, I, I actually I really enjoyed the match. There are things, yeah, like you say, it wasn't perfect, but these are things on the fringe more than these are nit exactly. These are it's just dominate the discussion, yeah, but it's not yeah. the these, not... these these are nitpicking things as opposed to a general displeasure at the match itself. Exactly, I really enjoyed the match. So I don't want to come off like that. We're going to get to your feedback now. Daniel Watkins on Facebook pages. I really like the show but love the way the Black Dream match wove in their characters and storyline. I love the main events. Chaos and carnage and big moves all over the place which is exactly what I would have wanted from the match. I watched most of it this afternoon and spent the rest of the day reliving the big moments in my head and I can't remember the last big gimmick match I did that for so that's a big thumbs up from me. Uh, Gordon McLean says the outfits that the authors of Pain and Roderick Strong came out in were ridiculous. They looked like commando beekeepers. Uh, Carlo Longhorn says, Great show, I thought. The opener was hard-hitting, short, and didn't expose either guy. Lars looks like a really good prospect, but green as grass. Cassius, uh, pretty much a stepping stone now. Love the black dream match. Uh, is super heated, and as much as I hate the gimmick he has, which I don't, uh, he's making it work. Black, not sure on how he'd translate to the main roster. Great entrance, but worry he'd be viewed as CM Punk light, which is quite funny, considering what you said earlier on. 
The women's match was. I would actually say the opposite very round. I say CM Punk is Alistair Black. The women's match was okay at most. Some sloppy moments and not sure what giving the title to Ember did, but booked into a corner, really. Uh, I was really impressed by Drew and Andrade. Such a good match for me. You had three genuine stars in that match who should all be on the main roster within the next 12 months. Shame Drew has apparently got an injury at time of writing. And now for War Games. They got it completely on point for me in terms of making the guys wanting to look good uh, look like stars. Uh, Cole, AOP, and uh, Killian Dane all came out of the match looking immense. The action was good. All teams got their shine and the big spots work well. AOP continue to develop and think they can be a real force on the main roster post-mania. Uh, Cole poses a question going forward. Uh, will he be the long-term champion in NXT uh, or come to the main roster? Chris Kiki McBurney says, a really good show. Only watched the takeovers and couldn't believe how skinny Adam Cole was, especially his arms. I know you don't have to be a bodybuilder these days, but fucking hell, fella. Lift some weights. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think I think his email address there is vmctan at www.com. Alec Norton says, My first time seeing a war games match and it was good fun, but only once most of the guys were actually in the cage. The first ten minutes were actually rather dull, and I was worried that it might turn out to be a dud. Thankfully those fears were put to one side once Sanity got to the cage, with Killian Dane proving to be the MVP of the match and being given a chance to shine in his own right. Uh, Andy Howard says, really enjoyed the show. Not sure why the belt was put on Embers. I felt that any of the other three would have been better choices. Uh, War Games was better than I expected. A great show overall, and Lars looks like a monster in the making. And uh, wrapping it up here, Carl Dixon says, I just love how the roof was taken off the damn cage. Isn't the point of War Games that you can't escape the carnage? That made no sense. And three teams, like WCW versus NWO versus Wolfpack in 98. But WWE told me that WCW ruined everything. Hypocrites. Uh, I am not feeling the hype about Adam Cole. Most overthink about him is his catchphrase and it's already stale. Give me someone with some presence on the microphone. So that pretty much sums up everybody's feelings, I think, on NXT. General thumbs up on this show for me. Yeah, general thumbs up. Um, there's a, f a few questions going forward, you know, such as no obvious challenges for either the, uh, the female or the male titles. But, you know, I'm sure those are things that can be addressed in the, in the coming weeks. So, on the whole, two thumbs up. Any reason Carl are using the expression on the whole several times today, by the way? <laughs> Nothing springs to mind. Transitioning now to Sunday night's festivities, the Survivor Series 2017, the greatest show on earth, as we heard again and again and again from the voice of Kid Rock. Did you enjoy that, Carl? <laughs> like any time any sane person hears music produced by Kid Rock, the answer is no. No. Oh. Obviously, we'll, we'll get to each individual match, but I just think this goes to show that it always helps to never have any hopes or aspirations. We'll talk about this later on. Because you're only going to be disappointed. <laughs> This is this is what I get for being sort of cautiously optimistic. I was so I was, looking forward I to this was, show. You know, <laughs> no, I must admit, I was in a sort of somewhat macabre way. I was looking forward to the idea of Lesnar and Jinder Mahal, as I've said to you before, Liam. Don't know why. In, in, in the sense of, I thought Jinder might really get hurt, <laughs> and that and that and that filled me with what I can only assume people would describe as joy. <laughs> what most people would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know that didn't happen, obviously. So, but we get something better than that in Styles and Lesnar. And I will say, thank God that match was on this card. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's 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 hit it here. So, yeah. um, so after Kid Rock's finished, 
in what felt like an eternity. Years ago he finished. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The New Day come out, and what follows is about 16 hours of videos. And this drove me crazy. Yeah. This drove it's me absolutely exactly crazy. Exactly down to what I was telling you before about <laughs> video production. Overproduced. Okay, overproduced everything. It was actually longer than that. It was exactly 19 minutes before the first match started. Great. This, uh, this, this, o- this opening match, right? So, so Shield versus the New Day. Okay, so this was a late edition. Um, obviously, I'll ask, ask you guys what you thought about this because uh, I'll, put, I'll put my position out here on this. I thought this was a solid match, but I was disappointed by it. Uh, I thought it was a, I saw it was a solid match, but it wasn't a great match. And uh, I was expecting a great match due to the people involved. The only two ideas I can come up with as to why I might be disappointed by this is one, it might have been because it was the first match. And I know like I shouldn't have a stigma about about first match, but it just felt like if you're going to be the first match, you're not the most important thing on the card in comparison to, to some of the later matches, particularly the last three, which came across as a much bigger deal. I said, is it? The other reason is because of the unfortunate out of their control, uh, Reigns was off ill for a bit. So because of that, does, is it because the shield like reformation feels a bit stagnated because they came back, oh yay, great, then he's ill, oh now we got Kurt Angle, now apparently we got Triple H in there play, playing these guest roles and now like, he's come back and it's like this kind of like stop-start again, like shield reunion and it's like, uh, if you could just imagine like if Reigns was around for that TLC match, would we be a little bit more on the locomotive on the, on the shield and just feel a little bit more special? Is that the little bit of the problem with it? Is I just don't feel like alive at the shield reunion anymore? I just remember the type of matches New Day have had in the past, and especially the type of six man matches the Shield had, and none of the none of the this match doesn't live up to any of those. I thought it was solid. Um bit curious to me in the sense of the New Day came across to me as working as the heel team in the way the match was yeah. laid out. That's a recurring theme throughout the night. As, as, a, as a crowd dynamic, I actually, maybe the two of you would disagree with I think the crowd were more with the Shield than the New Day, I, I felt, in, in the yeah. match itself. Um, but but I will say this, it, it didn't feel, whilst I don't think it was bad, it didn't feel mm. special. Mm. Um, but then, I don't buy into the the whole team concept of fighting for Raw's honor or fighting no, for SmackDown's honor. So that that, 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 that if, if you don't buy into that concept, I think that's always going to have a bit of a detriment to to the matches on the show. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'm alone. I think most people don't give two shits. Because everyone knows about, it's worthless. About the yeah. idea of, of Raw versus SmackDown and whether or not you bleed blue and <laughs> all that bullshit. Yeah. Um... The only thing that really stood out to me from this match was the there was a section towards the end they did the sort of the I think the new they did the splash spot mm-hmm. and then they seem to be just sort of standing around for an age wondering what's going to happen. It feels like next. forever, and it you know as if a cue was missed, and I was almost. That sort of took me out of it. At some point, Seth Rollins comes in yeah. the ring like at the wrong yeah. point to break it's, up a curve. It's, it's, it's so jarring that I'm sitting there thinking, "What's going on here?" And I'm waiting for the crowd to react to some sort of running of, of of some sort or something to be happening elsewhere. And I think because of that sort of jarring moment, that probably doesn't help the match either. But the crowd seemed to enjoy it for the most part. And I will say this: as we go through the night, we'll, we'll, we'll remark more on the crowd. I had a lot of sympathy for the crowd on this night because we we've talked before on this show about how crowds can try and hijack shows and make it all about themselves and I didn't feel that was the case with the Survivor Series crowd I thought they would 
genuinely they acted a lot more like a normal yeah, wrestling they crowd what they outside they, of certain too they, sweet calls. Yeah, too sweet was in, was insufferable it's the new it's the new 10 yeah if you like but i did genuinely feel like this was a crowd that wanted to sort of lose themselves in the matches see, see and, that, that, that's an interesting one because i heard this all weekend long people talking about how the crowd was good and the crowd were really wanting to be good and i'll be honest with you i didn't think the crowd was all that hot for most of this show no i i didn't think they were but I didn't feel like that was the crowd. I didn't feel like that was the crowd sort of deliberately sitting on their hands and thinking, this isn't what we want, so we're just going to dismiss it. No, I just think it was a, it was a failure to, to capture them. But I'm, yes. not even, but I'm not even sure if they were all that ready to be captured anyway. Because, and, and this is, to me, the, the whole thing to, answer, to kind of come around full circle, like an episode of Seinfeld, the, the whole thing about the Shield and the New Day not feeling the way, to me, it could have. It's because there's this tale of like two stories where it's like, they clearly positioned the match and thought that it was going to be a big deal because they gave it so much damn time. Yeah, it felt like... That, that's the other thing. felt like it had too much time. Too much time. But at the same... And, and they're trying to treat the New Day as an equal threat, which I don't personally Never buy into were. in the slightest because the other three are all former world champions and top guys and the New Day's always been hovering around the tag belts. Uh, so, so that... that there's a, Again, they're trying to play it up as like this epic battle, but it doesn't feel honest. It's not like the Wyatts in the Shield where no. you could buy it, you um, know? Um, and, and I think that the other thing, too, a lot of those classic Shield matches, not all of them, the big ones, all had a lot of, not necessarily gimmicks, but certain elements of shortcuts where, you know, whether it's the spear through the barricade or people just, you know, not having to worry about who the legal man is, which again, really, I thought that the spot that you mentioned before where there's people running all over the place like headless chickens tagging each other in a thousand times because they're trying to keep track of who's legal and all this shit. And it's like, you're, I just think that you're losing the people a little bit. And like I said, I don't think, I don't think the dynamic of the match is good because I don't think that people really want to see, they didn't want to see the shield lose, but I don't think they, they didn't hate the New Day. I think uh, yeah, just to, to some points you made earlier about like about like the shield being over uh, more. I I kind of for me at least maybe just with my my weird hearing is it, it sounded like that at first, but it did sound like towards the end like the new day was starting to get the better mm. of the crowd on it. And I think uh, yeah, you were right. The new day was playing the heels on this one. I think you'll find up until the last. Uh, uh, at least with the women's title match um, and 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 the AJ Brock, is I think you'll find like the the the, the blue team was probably playing heels most of the night really technically, so I saw it as a very interesting dynamic and not quite so like you know the weights all on one side. I just that's why I was interested in this match and thought this could be really interesting. We got the established awesome tag team against the tag team of like top guys. It's like what's going to come out better in a tag match, mm. not a singles match. Like surely. The new day should have the advantage because of the brotherhood yeah. and so on. So that's like, I, I was hoping for more from this, but it just didn't feel like those issues were maybe addressed in it. Yeah, and maybe that's ultimately it. There is a lot of again the theme of the theme of this show is going to be there's a lot you could have done, and there was so little they actually <laughs> did with these things. Yes. Um, let's move on now because obviously I'm, I'm conscious of time and how much uh, ground we've got to cover here. The oh. women's Survivor Series match is next, preceded by. A real fabulous speech from Stephanie McMahon. Oh, fuck. This woman can fuck off now. I'm getting sick and tired of her. <laughs> she's get, got to stick her in. fucking dick in everything. She's worse than... No, she's, yeah, she is worse than Triple H. She's, she, they're, they're both... They are, they are two peas in the pot. I was going to say, they're, they're, they're one in the same. Um, yeah, nothing nothing quite downplays people or makes them feel inferior like a pep talk from Stephanie McMahon or Triple H. Could you feel um, less motivated to do your job than if I Stephanie know. McMahon is your team leader? <laughs> Yeah, it's just... I'd um, want to fuck it up. Yeah. You, you've, got, you've got a terrible Stephanie McMahon speech. Team jerseys, which just makes everyone look bush league. 
Um, well, we were all got... logging for the return of the bragging yeah. rights pay per view. Yeah. 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 Let's, Remember those buy rates? Maybe we can revisit those buy rates at some point. Um, Oscar, in particular, in the raw shirt, couldn't feel less special and like just another part, another cog in the machine. Especially of if course, the machine's got Bailey in it. Poor Bailey. Poor Bailey, yeah. <laughs> um, what have they done to you, Bailey? <laughs> and then, of course, we get to the match, and oh, God, yeah. God knows the two that we have to protect are Nia Jax and Tamina Snuka. Tamina. You know. Tamina. You know. Family. Uh, Tamina. You know, I, I, I thought that we'd seen the end of the Battle of the Bulge after World War Two, but no, here it is on pay per view. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, heaven forfend, we have to protect those two. Let's face it, the only person that anybody cared about in the match was Oscar. And rightfully she and went right, over. And, you know, and, and you know, the one saving grace you can say is that she went over, so it was the right result. But this, again, this I'll match. use that word again, clunky. Clunky? Oh, That's being magnanimous. Well, I've just you know, been a bit vicious about <laughs> Nia Jackson there, so I thought I'd just balance it out a bit, but... Yeah, not not a good match, and not a uh, not a bright spot for the quote unquote women's revolution. No, no, this is this, this, this is not quite the days of PCB and Team Bellum. <laughs> though, 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 I do think we found the female counterpart to Shane McMahon when it comes to throwing hideous punches in the form of Carmella. Yeah, Carmella. How, how about uh, Naomi and Alicia Fox fucking up uh, about a dozen things in a row? Including the one pin that was screwed. That was up, the ref's fault, by the way. Which, yeah, no, no, the no, but he, nobody just you know he sort of emphasizes <laughs> the, the issues yeah, of the match. Did. So there's a lot of them. So Tamina, it's one of those things, and WWE does this all the time, where it's the the microwave booking, if you will, of no one gives a shit about Tamina, but we're gonna make her strong because we need to. And this is you know the, the big crooks match. I know that G, you weren't happy that Becky was out first because she was one of the few on the Smackdown team that really... The only one. That seems like they got something going for them. But clearly the story of the match was supposed to be Oscar and Sasha as the babyfaces yeah. against the heels on Smackdown. And that's why Tamina was pushed strong. Great flying armbar from Asuka to, to, eliminate, uh, to eliminate Tamina. And the end got a good reaction. And to be honest, I, for the second half of the match, at least they did... If they're going to do this story, they did the story right and the right person went over. But the first half of this match was dog shit. I mean, you, this... this again this is a match that could have been shorter um, because the show doesn't need to be three and three quarter hours mm. the only thing I would say is you, you could have put Oscar over even stronger I mean I'd, I'd have yeah. got I'd have got Carmella out of there early doors because she's useless get Alicia Fox out of there early doors because she's useless you can have the Nia Jackson and um, Tamina go to a double count out or something to still protect them if you're that way inclined I'm personally not but yeah that's the company's view then I'd have probably I would have sacrificed Bailey and Sasha Banks, and I'd ask her kick the shit out of the other three yeah. to really emphasise the point. Because if, if that's what you know, if that's your aim is to really emphasise Asuka, go the whole hog, really really put her over the top. I I uh, Liam I think you were being incredibly generous by saying <laughs> that half the match was bad and half was good. I'd actually go uh, much more on the favour of bad. Uh, I'd say maybe the last minute was good. First off, I had a, ge a genuinely quite amusing moment with Alicia Fox's hat. I just found just generally quite funny how it just started off as a captain's hat and then slowly got bigger and bigger to the point it was just oversized and, uh, fell, off and fell off her head. I just, just personal amusement. I have to find it from somewhere. 
But the actual, yeah, as I said, I had an issue with Becky. I can understand why they went with that route if the SmackDown girls were playing as the heels, so you get rid of the baby face out of there early. I just didn't like it because it's like, okay, you had Charlotte in there originally, so at least you had two people of, of, of viable interest on there. You got one, rightfully so, replacing Natalia in the other match. And now you just got Becky and you just send her out when you got like people like Carmella and Tamina, of all fucking people, still in there. Uh, though, in the long run, yes, the, the idea was to get Asuka over. Um, I think the the way they protected in inverted commas Nia Jax uh, I think was just uh, lame Bailey and Sasha Banks I mean everyone says like how Bailey's been buried now other than Sasha Banks not far behind her like these two have been completely devalued I felt this match was just sloppy all over the place whether it was referees fault or whatever I just thought it was absolutely atrocious up until the final minutes when Asuka's it was Asuka's chance to save and and what we'll see going forward, I I believe, is that you know the, two two of the themes coming away from from this night was that it wasn't a particularly stellar night for the women, and if you're an NXT alumni in some form or fashion, for the most part, it wasn't a good night for them either. <laughs> you got the old stiff one eye, as it were. Baron von Corbin versus Mike Mazan in the battle of the champions. Yeah, well here, here's your first issue. Tough guy Miz is bullshit. I didn't no, one, no, no one's buying a tough guy, and in particular, no one's buying a tough guy who posts his repost on Twitter. <laughs> I thought that was the best part of this match. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, was it, it was. Yeah, it was, but it speaks volumes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Unlike the crowd, they <laughs> <laughs> were on silent. But, you know, look, it's a heel in Baron Corbin that no one cares about. No one. And a heel in The Miz who is betraying his natural character to play the tough guy which no one buys and mm. you have the inevitable result of crickets in the crowd and people just wanting the match out of the way I like The Miz I like The Miz I think he's fucking great, he's great. and I like Seamus and Cesaro actually I'm surprised like, I didn't I wasn't bought into it at first but bit by bit they brought me into it like they're the best tag team in the company no, I, I think. I think. I just. I just think they. They are. They are pretty entertaining. They're. They're like good teams. But it's just like my problem with both matches is the same. It's heel versus heel. So who crowd gives? Who do. the crowd doesn't know what to do. Who gives a shit? So we have to like make Miz like a pseudo face there and make. Uh, I, I don't know who. Usos was uh, pseudo face with it. I don't know. And I just basically watched these matches. These were two matches I did not care about whatsoever. I was begging like for like something like maybe Shelton and Chad to beat Uso, so it might be at least of them facing. Cesaro and Sheamus so we could get like a babyface in there or someone to beat Baron or beat they're, Miz so they're, they're turning heel though anyway yeah most likely yeah and and it's just like these two matches I just thought were absolutely boring absolutely tedious they were just literally there just to give Smackdown two points and it's like yeah great so Smackdown <laughs> gets two points from two tedious ass fucking matches that I will never ever watch again <laughs> carry on guys again, I'll, I'll, I'll be back when we get to the no, women's match but then again if you don't buy into the concept of Raw versus Smackdown which people don't then those two wins don't mean anything because there's nothing to really underpin the, the event or what really What are you talking you. about? What are you talking about, Carl Jones? Baron Corbin has proven himself to be the best secondary champion in World Wrestling Entertainment today by virtue of this victory. Do you know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm genuinely speechless. I'm sure if I need to ask someone what it means, the person I won't be asking is Booker T. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awful, by the way. <laughs> it's something we haven't touched on, but we can we can talk about the commentary in general later on. Five-man booth. That should be mentioned oh, here. Yeah. Five-man no. booth. 
If you I, can call most of them now, men. In something which will not come as a surprise to the listeners, I did make notes for this, but forgot to bring them. But rest assured... That's like Booker T. But one of those bullet points on several occasions was variations of hate the commentary team, commentary team's useless, why are there five men, why is Byron Saxton there, why is Tom Phillips there, why was Percy Watson employed the night before. The commentary was awful. Absolutely horrendous. <laughs> and I can only thank... Jennifer Hudson for going through a separation <laughs> with David Otunga for the fact that Otunga wasn't there as well. Truly horrendous. Not su- not surprising anyway, anyway. It was as hideous as you would expect the commentary team to be. And it was really a detriment to the show as a whole. It was. It stunk. Now, Corbin and Miz, I'm going to blow through pretty quick. Corbin gets the win. All right. Uso, Shames and Cesaro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's greater than me. Oh, I don't care. I, I didn't care going in. I didn't care when it was happening. I didn't care when it was finished. Nope. Um, Usos and Sheamus and Cesaro. Again, first half, I thought the same thing. It was like the the dynamic. But I love the Usos. The Usos, I think, that I, I, I think they got it going on. They're a great team. Sheamus and Cesaro are much better as a combination than they are apart. I'll give, I'll, and I do think they're very, very good. But I think the Usos, from a personality standpoint, are awesome. I love the way they talk. I love the way they act. I think they've just got so much going for him. I, I must admit, I'm, I'm someone that just generally has never, never really warmed to the Usos from the old, you know... Days of the paint. Yeah, days of the, you know, playing in the paint and all that. Yeah. You know, if you can't get me on side with a basketball analogy, then you really are in trouble. Yeah. But no, I, I much I much prefer them in, in this form. And I, I'm probably a bit higher on this match than G is. I I thought it got off, it did get off to a slow start, but I actually thought they bought the, this got the crowd back a little bit because they worked, they worked they, they really worked, hard they worked really hard it. the crowd did buy some there for yeah, some good double teams and James and Zaro yeah. and, and, and I have no problem with super the, kicks and all that stuff was uh, getting really well yeah and, and you know you bearing in mind how the show is going unfortunately part of the intrigue is taken away from the fact that you know the Usos are going to win yeah because you know which, and that becomes a bigger issue later on yeah, in the night. I think, because by the way. because yeah. because yeah. you know which matches are following on from this, so you know that SmackDown have to get the point here. Yeah. So that doesn't doesn't help in terms of the drama. But you know, on the whole, I thought it was a pretty <laughs> solid match. On the whole. <laughs> Moving on to another battle of champions here: Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss. Uh, um, again, another one of these late changes to the card that they made. Basically, when they looked at the first card and thought, "Well, this ain't much." Um. And to be quite honest, this is a. I, I think again, I differ from a lot of people's opinions that I've read online. I wasn't a big fan of this. I thought this was poor. <laughs> who who spoke positively of this? A match? lot of people. They, no one spoke massively positively. No, but there's no reason to but speak no positively no in any terms. It. I, I again, I, and this is the point where I thought, you know what, this crowd isn't what people are saying it is because they didn't give a shit about any of this. They were flat as a pancake. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair to say. But but this was to me. And it went so long. It, it, it went too long. As high as the company clearly are on Alexa Bliss. Oh, they love her. She hasn't. I don't think she's really shown anything to suggest that she can really carry a match and is a you know is a particularly good worker bell to bell. I don't think she's shown that. Um, she works much better in short matters. As the yes. you know, if, if this if this had gone, I say half the time, but two thirds mm. of the time, I think this mm. probably would have been perfectly mm. fine. Probably so. Even but, good but considering the, you know, some of the risks they took. But the thing is, you've got. Charlotte, who has a baby face, as it doesn't quite click for me as a baby face. 
um, and she fall when she's a both she falls into sort of the safety net if you like if you like of mimicking some of her, her dad's traits hmm. which I always think doesn't come off too well yeah, really. I, I was very disappointed um, when I turned a baby face because she was so good as a heel. It, yeah. it felt unnecessary. It felt um, like it wasn't time to turn a baby face. And it's it's hard to buy such a long match where you've got. And I, I hate to be one for for, for sort of size and the, and the look because I've never I've never been as high on that as the company are. But it's kind of hard watching a match of that length, seeing Alexa Bliss dominate Charlotte, who's you know clearly physically bigger clearly the better athlete and it's it's. I find it hard to buy into that yeah I didn't mind I, didn't, um, I didn't mind it so much at first when it's like you because know, yeah, the way that she does work she's ruthless she's a ruthless little bugger you know yes but, so that doesn't but, bother me so but, much but she, there wasn't an awful lot she wasn't showing a lot of those traits in the way she no. was it was, the way she was like leading said, the match and, and it went too long and they didn't really do they didn't actually do an awful lot and it was very one paced Crowd never got out of first the, gear. Either. The crowd never got out of first gear. Either. Absolutely right. I think that uh, I think that probably sums that one up nicely. I actually completely disagree. I actually quite like this match. For me, uh, at least in the set, I'm not going to turn around and say this was a great match. Uh, but I said this was the first match that actually, where I kind of turned around and went, okay, now now I start to feel like this is this show's actually kind of kicking up a gear. Like it's getting after watching like the last two matches, which did nothing for me whatsoever, and the women's match just being like torrid. But, and then the disappointment of the shield as well. This was the first one that, whilst may have not been like a standout women's match, uh, at least to me anyway, felt like an important match. Both these women have actually come out the better of anyone in either women's division, and uh, you know they they added the fact that these are the only two that have actually won both the Raw and SmackDown tiles, so it makes them whatever, a step. Whatever, whatever, whatever that means, worth. whatever that's worth, but it puts them a, a class ahead of everybody else in the division, which is hence why they made the change from Natalia to Charlotte, because these two haven't been on the same show together. Charlotte, yes, was dominating NXT. Alexa Bliss didn't, so they never really crossed paths. And I actually... Before you move on, because I, yeah, I actually yeah. want to respond to that yeah. specific point, because yeah. I absolutely, completely agree. And again, mm. the frustration of this show is that mm. it, you could have... If you'd have had more time to build that... Yeah and actually told that story better yeah. I think the crowd would have given more of a shit than they yeah. did I think that's part oh, yeah. again big but, part of the problem on the show yeah. by shoehorning yeah. all this shit in so fast yeah. something like that that where you could have done some great video packages yeah. and you could have done some great promos about how these the, two have been on these kind of completely yeah. different paths but, they, yeah. but they've actually accomplished the same yeah. things and they're gonna come yep. one who's got all the built in fucking legacy of Ric Flair yeah, yeah. the other one who's five foot tall and come from nowhere yeah. and done everything yep. the same you could have, you, yeah. you could have told, told awesome this, story with that, and they've this, done nothing with it. This this, this was the f- just yeah, go, go. just quickly. G, I'm not saying the points you make aren't valid. I can understand why going mm. in that would lead you mm. that that would build up your anticipation for that. Yeah, yeah. I can understand yeah. why that mm. that sort of gets you intrigued. Mm. Why it makes you look forward to the match. Yeah. But but why did I actually but I, like but the I, match? But itself? I can't I can't see. But I just don't see what happened in that match that was a real hook for you. So I'm just, I'm really, I'm, I'm really curious to see what okay. that is. Like okay. I say, I think maybe it might be a product of the anticipation did leak through into my enjoyment of the actual matches. Yeah, there wasn't necessarily anything hugely that they did. You know, Charlotte did her usual like you know moon salt and so on and and mist and whatever, and they and they had some nice little spots here and there. And this didn't bore me. I didn't say like I, I don't mean like this was an excellent match by any means, but. I was disappointed with the first match and I hated the next three. I was looking for anything mm. to hook me back into this show. I haven't watched the match back. Maybe if I watch it back again, I'll go, oh shit, that actually was quite bad. Okay, it's not the greatest match in the world, but this is entertaining. Maybe something they can build on down the line. 
but I will say that again, this other than the opener was I, I agree with you completely one that was you actually could have built some anticipation yeah. around. And it was one of the quick and it, that same as the, uh, the this opening match were the ones that were the quick changes that they made the last. Exactly, night. exactly, and again, not allowing you to really tell the, yeah. as full a story as you possibly could. And and on that front again, the, the little things in the middle that there's a, that kit that big boot near the end, uh, and then this happened a couple times with Alex where she just falls down early or just gets out of the way of oncoming kicks and stuff like that. It's like. It's a bit of a, yeah, it looks a bit messy, and that's, that's, that, that is a problem with Alexa. But uh, again, moving on now to the one that got everybody's yes. uh, juices flowing. AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar, a battle of two great men. Brock Lesnar has, uh, you know, this year he hasn't had the longest matches. And so. <laughs> no, this year with Brock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Not a good year. I'm, I'm with you. And, and year. Good, good year in terms of build for matches, not so much in terms of the matches actually delivering. Oh, dude, the, 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 no, the, bit, no, no, the build with Joe. The build with Joe was fantastic. Strowman was booked yeah. well in the build up to the Lesnar yeah, yeah, match. They got the, the Goldberg Lesnar at Mania with, with the, the yeah. promo, the sit down promos were very, very good. Like I say, the only one that I had a real, you know, in terms of the matches being shorter and not being what you want in terms of getting it. And this is the thing, and I think this is why I did love this match. Even though you have the high expectations, you have God, you know, if they just treat them like equals. This will be great, yeah. and God love them. They finally treated someone like they were an equal and went 15 minutes with Brock. Because Joe should have got a match like this. You could argue Braun yeah. should have, but I, I would yeah. al- I would also argue that Braun isn't equipped to do a match he's, like that with Brock. Yeah, he's probably not equipped to go that long, and the dynamics to me just don't quite mesh with with Lesnar and, and Strowman. Yeah. In as much as I think the best use of Brock is when you have the guy that's fighting from underneath. Which is which is why he was always so more so much more effective as a heel or wrestling. Yeah. Again, if you're gonna do the monster mash matches like with him against the Joe, then you've got to give it a bit a little you know, someone who can go, give it some time for it to play out. And that was yeah. the beauty of this is boy there's got some time to play out. Fifteen minutes and it yeah. was just the shit kicking gave AJ at the start was so great. Yeah. AJ fights from underneath. Wait, and again, another you thing get that, you get that, you get that moment. You get that moment of weakness, which in this case is Lesnar in the knee. Yeah, and so, the, you know, just the quick DDT that doesn't look pretty because no. you've got to do it now because it's your only chance. And I lo- yeah. again, a little detail like that where rather than everything being crisp and, and perfect, even though trust me, there's a little there's a there's, there's a blown there's, spot on Tornado DDT. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, but again, but when when he when he started his comeback again, the fucking replays on the screen from from before get that shit off. AJ's making his first yeah, comeback yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. missing it. Yeah. And then when he you know, again kicks the knee, it's not pretty. You grab you when he's on one knee, grabs him for the DDT and all that stuff. Gets back in the match and then from there, for the most part, with the exception of that one scrappy uh, tornado DDT where they both just fell to the ground. Other than that, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. But AJ's generally yeah that 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 sort of that comeback at the start that you mentioned. He's frantic, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's not pretty because you because you because you you buy you buy into sort of the frenzy nature of it of shit. This is my opening. I've got to go for it now. And and you, another prime example of that is the push into the stairs. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not anything grandiose. It's not something they're going to play it's back. Not a choreographed it's not, spot. You know, they're not going to play it back time after time as some sort of epic moment. But it, it's perfect for the match. It's, it's the smaller guy. There's young by the steps. Quick pushing that frantic nature. You buy into it. You can you sort of get lost in it. it yeah. It's brilliant when Lesnar wants to work with someone like that, as opposed to say Dean Ambrose. You know, <laughs> it works a treat because Lesnar shows the right amount of vulnerability. He's, great. he's and, so you know, good. And, and, and you, it still keeps him strong because it's a sense of, yeah, there's a clear vulnerability there, but it's stemmed. 
from his misstep in the first instance. So it's still it's still the idea of Lesnar the monster, mm-hmm. but you can totally buy it. Yeah, and, again, and AJ is so good as a resilient underdog yeah. that you can. He, he's just the, des- the desperation when he throws the forearm. He's got, the he's first got such time. fire and everything yeah. he does. Again, classic. Here you are. Okay, so you got one guy who's the baby face, and he's got great fire, and everyone respects him. And man, when he goes for it, he went for it, and even if it didn't look pretty, it at least felt authentic. Mm. Which, and and everybody, sorry, <laughs> but everybody, you know, everybody bought it. They bought the forearm as a finish. They they actually believed. They believed believe he was going to tap was out to the calf crusher. He was going to tap out to a calf crusher. You know, it's fantastic. And what a great escape! That was a brilliant. Spot. That was the best spot of the match. Grabbing his head and just bashing him into the ground. I. I I was really looking forward to this match, but I also had a bit of apprehension about it yeah, because I, I, haven't, I haven't had the best time with uh, with Brock uh, this year. And I do agree, the builds have been good. Like I said, if he, if he ends up doing the same shit he's done so far this year, I'm actually out with him because it's just like, I'm getting a bit tired of it now. It's that he's got to start somewhere with getting some people over. Right, he doesn't necessarily have to lose, as evident in this match, but he's got to start giving something to people because he's not going to be around forever. Is he going to do it with AJ? Because you had that similar, like, okay, he might maybe give Joe out of respect or something because he like he can he carry himself like a big guy, or you know, Braun because it's the company guy or whatever. But it's like AJ is very almost like similar to Dean Ambrose, like in terms of size and stuff. Because does he respect AJ or not? So it's like let's see what happens. So I think a key difference is that Heyman does. Yeah, yes. Heyman. Heyman. If you saw Heyman's promos beforehand, watch the one he did after, after the show, brilliant. where he puts him over, saying, "If you're if you're not an AJ Styles fan, then why are you watching WWE? Basically, fuck off because he is the business." He said he's everything Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and Ric Flair are uh, were in their generations and more because he's an innovator and he's actually like pushing the product forwards and so on and so forth. He put him over so hard in that post-match uh, promo just saying we, we, on the website. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I gotta admit I was a bit I, I still apprehensive at the start like as soon as it got it was predictable how the start was gonna happen but still I was like okay that's the brilliance yeah, of it that's what it is I was a bit apprehensive I was like okay so it's gonna go for the obvious start he's, he's gonna obviously dominate that's the way you're gonna do it it wasn't gonna be believable any other way but I'm watching this going like when's the comeback gonna happen this, this is what we're waiting for so many times in Brock Lesnar matches and this, ex- this uh, with the ex- uh, exclusion of obviously uh, a couple of the Goldberg matches when somebody comes back on Brock and they first do that little rally after they've been beaten up, Brock rarely truly sells. Okay, he'll do the thing where he'll he'll he reel back, he'll register and he'll reel back a bit, but he'll balance himself on the rope. He won't actually drop down to the floor. He'll just he'll like bounce across the ropes and he'll spring back up again. Then they'll knock him down and he'll spring back up again. And he doesn't really sell anything. In this match, the first bit of offense AJ does is a kick to the knee, a chuff block, and then a DDT. Brock's down. Down, doesn't, down. Do, doesn't down, down. Doesn't spring back up and like go, oh, no, that's all right, I'm okay, I'm still okay. No, he's down. And the match just proceeds to go for more. And you made all the points about like the desperation moves and just AJ not surprising anyone with any intelligence that has how good he is and how he portrays like his role in this. The best spot in, in the entire fucking show is just putting the calf crusher on him and like the way Brock fucking sold it. Like I said, I was, I, loved, I was watching that. I said, "Wow, he's really saying that." I said, "Man, that's the last. The last time I saw him sell a submission hold like that was the ankle lock back in 2003." There's one more. That, that was the last time There's I can more. think of. And actually, and it ties into the kind of Brock you get mm. when he was able to convince people that CM Punk was going to beat him with a triangle 
at SummerSlam uh, okay. 2013 okay. I, when people were going yeah. crazy screaming tap I, out to yeah. that it's like I, that's that's talent yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't remember that match I think people forget how good that match that was, match was I, I, I don't remember that match I that saw it once and I, I don't remember it but um, but I love that and I love the way he counted out of it it's so Brock-esque and uh, just the way it built it's just like at no point did I think AJ was going to win this no matter how well they worked the match but that wasn't due to them that was due to how they the formulated score. the match because, because <laughs> I think the problem is was like we're looking into the last three matches so we know obviously there's going to be an odd one out here and so like if they put this match on before the women's so of the three so the women's them and then the main event if they put it on first or last they stood a chance of making you believe AJ could win because it's at a cross point where the point could go either way but when they put it on in the middle of those three matches it was like well, Raw has to win it. So as soon as Charlotte won, it's like, well, Brock's winning then. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's unfortunate. I'll be honest, a I bit, never bit, for a second thought Styles was winning anyway. Yeah, I know, but I, I know. We, we're all intelligent in that way. But I said, if you wanted to even try and perceive that something could happen, don't put that match where it was. Because the spot when he has him in the calf crusher, if you were like in the mindset of like, okay, this is like a decide or something, you might have stood, maybe for a second, you might have gone, no. Well, this Come is Come on, it. no. I mean, and it's like, because the way Brock sold it, it's like, it could have been believable. Well, this it is the thing. Well, yeah, we say that, but the grand irony of that comment is this match had far more heat than either of the two matches that sandwiched it. Yeah. Even though this was the one that seemed to have the obvious winner because of the point you raised, and I'm not saying you're wrong because mm. I completely thought the mm. same thing, but this was the one where when AJ had him, people were pissing their pants. Cause yeah. the, and that's, to me, that speaks to how good the work was. And, and it speaks to how they had this great yeah. match in yeah. this tough yeah. position. It speaks to how great the match was and goes to show how much it can aid you when people genuinely care about the individuals mm. yeah. and why do they care about the individuals because Brock is one of the few people on the roster who is protected and AJ is, is a, a clear cut above everyone else when it comes to bell to bell Although having said, like I said, they did give him. They could have. They could have easily. If they are going to protect Braun Strowman and give him five with Brock, mm. they at least gave Styles fifteen, and they didn't have to. They mm. could have played it the other way on a show on a show like this, where they've got and, big long matches they can do elsewhere. And, and a fair fight with Brock, you know, like you could tell, like obviously he 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 likes AJ in some way because, one, how he sold the calf crusher on it, and uh, you know, and like the close pinfalls and and everything on it, but like just the post match as well, selling all the way to selling the leg. The leg. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know whether. The, this was actually confirmed a lot of him because on the Meltzer podcast he stated that he was still selling backstage as well or something like that uh, but that's the Brock being Brock work the boys yeah, work the boys. boys but I just thought wow I said like okay he might have been doing it as a dig but like has Brock really been known to be that much of a comedian it's like that's that's kind of like I know I know he's doing it deliberately but uh, to be that but it's like man he must really respect AJ Styles that even just as a joke like sell it even backstage to the boys he must be really kind of like and and you know what? It would be the smartest move Brock could, could do if it the campaign to wrestle him again. Which brings us to the main event. The ultimate battle for supremacy, Raw versus SmackDown for the Bragging Rights Championship trophy. Five on five in the match that was really the one that kind of <laughs> elicited my enthusiasm before Henry on the phone talking about this G, the one that I was actually looking forward to, that I thought the potential for cross ups, the potential for you know, interesting booking decisions that put people in different places and kind of you know, gave some rub to some certain people. The things you could have done in this match, and as you said on this show before several times, Carl, it's the hope that kills you. Um, 
for as brilliant as Styles and Lesnar was, this was just absolutely every bit not as brilliant. Um, the crowd, and it's funny because again, we talk about. I, I thought the whole way through this show, the crowd wasn't nearly as interested as you would think they would be until Styles and Brock. That was the one where they woke up, yeah. and they woke up for this too for the first for the first few minutes. I mean, they did all the intros, and of yeah. course, Triple H doesn't have to wear the raw shirt; he gets to wear his own. Uh, made note of that. Yeah, Trips doesn't have a raw uh, raw shirt. Cena doesn't have a SmackDown shirt. Yeah. They're the real people. Who's the, who are the stars? Well, we'll find out because it doesn't look like John Cena's anymore. That's for damn sure. The crowd's up for it early doors. It's looking good. There's interesting combinations after all. Finn Balor gets in the ring and Nakamura's eyes go wide and everybody's excited. They get in there, they do some stuff. There's a, a new, new Japan, Japan chant. chant. And not just a slight one, quite an audible one. And you got, and I think Vince called up Jim Ross just to fire him again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have you heard that? Have you heard that, that chant? Yeah, I, I just thought this is looking alright. Trips gets in the ring with Nakamura. This could be interesting. Bobby Roode gets in there, they do some stuff. This is turning out to be kind of what I hoped if it con- so far so good if it continues on this vein we're in for a treat after all just as I anticipated and then right when that happens Nakamura starts going on a hot streak and as soon as he does my heart drops to my balls it's, it's that thing because you know it's that thing he's starting like, oh they, they're giving him all this now it's getting his moves in it's this sense of slam getting stuff in and sort of give him a bit of shine before we drop the hammer because it happens every time they do it all the time in a move I never understand they do it in rumbles they do it in survivor series let's put a guy over let's really make him look good and then let's give him the old fucking slippy fist it's just and sure enough it harkens back to the glory days of Elimination Chamber from December to December 2006 the mm-hmm. old jizz in the fans eye booking mm-hmm. Nakamura Hit the bricks, Bobby Roode, get the fuck out of town, and the crowd died here, and they never came back. It's like you know, I mentioned before, if if you're a, an NXT alum of some fashion, it wasn't the best of nights for you, and this is the the prime example of it. I should I don't, know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to suggest I'm, I'm possibly reading too much into it, but you know, with the losses to Jinder and this now, Vince, to me, Vince doesn't get Nakamura, doesn't see it, he's part of the furniture. Now the, right. now the crowd with the entrance treat him differently which is the frustrating but, thing again but I, I don't think Vince will treat him any differently I think Vince Meltzer talks about this how Vince sees guys at a, a certain level I, I think Vince sees a level for Nakamura mm. and it's not as a, it's not as a, a key focal point I don't think mm. I hope I, I, hopefully I'm wrong on that but we'll see I will just say quickly that I um, it clearly quietened the crowd you know, you sort of you picture the, the heart, the, the heart monitor in a hospital sort of thing. You know, to you, it's maybe a bit of a poor taste analogy, but it hasn't flatlined for the crowd at this point. I don't Slow think beat them. it's yeah. slowed. There's still signs of life, and then the manner in which Cena is eliminated. I think mm. once Cena's gone, yeah. that's where the plugs pull. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the that's the yeah. death blow. It's when funny. when Cena's eliminated, in the manner he's eliminated, such a, it almost it's feels such like an afterthought. afterthought. Yeah. yeah, there was no gravitas, no focus to his elimination whatsoever. Joe out first on the raw side, of course. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're skipping past that. But again, it's funny that you mentioned that the, the heart thing because when I was thinking of analogies in my head, it's like. In terms of how excited I was at the start, compared to how excited I was at the end, it was like watching a loved one get diagnosed with some kind of horrible illness, and then 
Two months later, they get another one, and two months later, they get another one. This is blow after blow the after blow. Gets worse and worse and worse. And the crowd just looked at this like two hobos fucking on the side of the road. They didn't care by the end. Nakamura was the one that bothered me the most, obviously, because I'm a huge Nakamura hmm. fan. But at the same time, it's like he was the star of the match in terms of like performance and the crowd enthusiasm by far to me and it's like this is the one they really wanted to say I think they could have done stuff with Angle and Nakamura and even though you mentioned about Cena I don't disagree with you when Angle and Cena are doing their face off and doing their the crowd didn't care they didn't care about that either even before Cena was gone it was like you're, what, you're just watching it and you're observing it and you're just like because you can see the pattern it's like Nakamura's gone Rude's gone Joe's gone. gone it's like this is all of a sudden, all that stuff we were looking forward to is not going to happen, and we are whittling away one by one on who's important now and who's not. And when you got to learn the hard way, who's not? Even though you already know deep down, but the, the the intrigue in a match like this, as it has been for the Royal Rumbles for the last couple of years, is this is the spot when you, if you want to shake up the status quo, this is the environment to do it in. And they didn't, and they chose not to. And boy, did that crowd speak volumes with their deathly silence. I, I understand the sort of the, the notion of they see a lot in they they see more in Strowman than I clearly do. I understand that they want to use things as a vehicle to get Strowman over, but this really wasn't the place to do it. And you didn't, you know, if you wanted, you don't have to do it here. And and no, they didn't do that well either. You know, that, that was the they didn't even get the the concept of the match for them. They executed poorly anyway, regardless of what the things that we wanted to see. What they wanted to achieve, they weren't even able to do well. It's not as if we can even point that and say, well, at least that was executed well, because it wasn't. And the thing is, we, we talked about lack of, of build and significance to these to these matches, and we, we buy into it. The story, of this, the story of this match going into me, or the override story, was this idea of it's Angle fighting for his job. You know, it's Angle's fight for survival at the end of that. Yes, there's bragging rights, but there's only one person in this match who has something tangible on the line and that's Angle and they didn't even make the story about him in the end there are worrying signs possibly for Angle going forward because he's his inability to walk he, he didn't he didn't exactly look crisp by any means but he he was hurt going in so maybe that's not necessarily but, but maybe that's not necessarily a harbinger of things to come with mania with the layoff and that sort of thing mm. perhaps it doesn't even come down to him He's buried by Triple H! And we're left in the ring with the son-in-law, the son, and the big guy. <laughs> and it wasn't Kevin Nash. And, and nobody cares. And what are we left with ultimately? We're left with the big guy and the supreme glomer of all time. Hark back to the, a previous Survivor Series with CM Punk if you want a, a case in point. We got trips Is there. I've got two words for you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I told myself I wasn't angry about this. I, 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 if, if I was listening, I, I said to Liam, I was more confused watching this than angry about anything. But it's just that overriding sense, and I, I think this is what you have as well, Liam, this overriding sense of frustration. And to, to go through all these sort of intriguing scenarios in your head, and to be left in the year 2017 with Triple H in there, and it really it makes me sick. All these people, these mouth breathers, these ham and eggers, these who, ball cuts in row triple Z, who bow to Triple H <laughs> on, his on his entrance. Uh, he's, oh, 
No, it's just. I, I said on the UK fan forum, I don't want to go all 2002 in my analysis of this <laughs> match but, and be like, eh, Triple H, Triple H. But when you watch it, it's hard to think anything else. The overtures are there. Because it's, it's like the, the glaring overtures <laughs> are there. It's like the only thing. It's like, even to the point, of like, Jesus Christ. Are we really going to do the spot, and sure enough they did, where Shane McMahon fucking believes that Triple H has turned on his own team to side with him, and of course he gets the old kick-wham pedigree treatment. It's like, that was just so hackneyed, no one, bu- no one bought it. And that's the thing, it's like, Strowman was the priority in this match, other than Triple mm-hmm. H. Getting, getting mm-hmm. hit on Triple H, build up Strowman. But the way that they did it by eliminating, by, by the, the guys he eliminated, if he'd have done it to Orton first, would have got a pop, probably, from this audience. Mm. But... The choices for him to eliminate Nakamura and Rude, I thought, flattened Strowman out significantly. I thought that the way that they kind of got him out of the match for a while by throwing him through the table, yeah. only to not really bring him back, he just kind of appeared on the apron again. Yeah. No, 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 no rage, no vengeance. No, I thought back. that was sloppy as balls. Yeah, it, it's funny you mention that one because when when Zayn and Owens do their run, which we haven't really touched on, mm. and you see the crowd reacting, I thought you I thought it was Strowman yeah. was just going to appear from appear behind Shane like the monster from the horror film. I know it's. It's Owens and taxi driver extraordinaire Sami Zayn. Oh, Owens out. And <laughs> Shane, Shane McMahon is the last man standing. <sighs> this looks like it could be a stellar match. With mm-hmm. the, with the, this is a big name. This, in terms of last names, years, which did have nearly the star yeah, power, was way yeah, better than this. Yeah, the, the names in this match is like, from a name standpoint, this is like one of the biggest Survivor Series matches I remember for quite a while. Yeah. This is just probably from my standpoint, but I was under no uh, illusion on what this match was going to be. Well, it's not. It's not that it's. It's not that it's shocking, and it's not necessarily. No, it's not then, that. It's not that I went in not, thinking. It's not that I went in necessarily thinking Nakamura is going to look fantastic. Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. He's going to pin Angle yeah, and Triple yeah, H I, I, with it's, one it's, finger. It's not. Yeah. It's not that I was necessarily expecting those things. Mm-hmm. It's just that to. So, because let's be honest, this is the thing. Why you say that, and the Mm. reason why I take exception to it is, Mm. I can't remember a match Mm. where so much potential and legitimate star power was just fucking jobbed out Mm. like it didn't matter. And it's not just the NXT guys. Cena got the same treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same treatment. But yo, Angle. Like, like yeah. you know, he takes one pedigree and yeah. he's done. It's like Shane. All of a sudden, all, yeah. he's going to what? Trust Triple H out of nowhere. It's like this. The, this whole thing is like it was. Is not the fact. Oh, the NXT guys lost, so yeah. I'm upset. It was this. Yeah. Was just yeah. sloppily executed. The first few minutes when they're doing the the, the tags in and out and they're, they're doing all the face ups was great. I was really enjoying that. Thinking like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to be wrong on this. Maybe this might go the way that people want it to. Everything, with the exception of one thing that happened in the match. Everything that happened in that match, I knew was going to happen. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had the feeling it was going to happen. The only genuine surprise was the Cena treatment. I thought, and I guess really, technically the other surprise, I guess, was Triple H. Because my genuine thought was, was okay, the four NXT guys are going to be fodder. That's clear. That's blatant. Mm. Everything, because I thought like how it was going to break down. I thought, okay, I can see it being 2-2 in the end. And I could see it being Shane on one side, Kurt on the other, because they're the GMs. And then having Braun on one side and Cena on the other. And I thought, you have those two on either side. And then how I predicted it was going to happen was that Shane would get screwed out by Owens and um, uh, Sami Zayn, and Kurt Angle would get screwed out by Jordan. Right? So it basically ends up with Cena Strowman, which is a match that we kind of briefly saw, but not properly, mm. because that was when Braun was in that like little tricky stage that we mentioned earlier. So this would be like a real top guy, because this is the former top guy, technically still top guy, 
uh, by the fact that when he came out, everything was all about John Cena again from the crowd chants. It's like no one's for yes for however much they like Braun Strowman or Nakamura or any of these guys. It's still John Cena oh, sucks. It, it, let's go Cena. It, Cena it, sucks. The, the two that they he's the, the guy. The two that they most cared about from the entrances. Yeah. To me, were, were Cena and Nakamura. Yeah. And, and and the thing and this is the thing. It's not necessarily the perspective of I thought that they were going to do so much better mm. or that any of this stuff that you mentioned wasn't going to mm. happen. We mm. talked about it on the phone. We knew, okay, mm. they've got to do Sammy and Kevin because it's been mm -hmm. built in. They've mm -hmm. got to do something with Triple H and Angle because it's been built in. Mm. Whether Jordan's going to get involved, which he didn't, and that was another surprise. Yeah. That, was, that might as well have not even happened so yeah. far in the story. It's the fact that they could have done the exact same thing and just done it in a different, a slightly different order in such a way where it didn't completely annihilate yeah. So those guys the, like the, it, it was the, obvious the, hey, they, didn't, they didn't have to win when you mentioned about Cena and Nakamura in my head it's like if I'm booking this match they're the two that I'm, I'm looking to probably win I probably would have had Smackdown win and yeah, I probably would have uh, had uh, Cena and Nakamura uh, I, 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 see, I completely here's, opposite here's, to you on that here's the thing I just touching on the sort of the two versus two that you thought yeah 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 I always expected Triple H to be one of the last few he, he, mm. Triple H is not getting involved in something to be a throwaway mm. Triple H doesn't do. He's not getting the Cena treatment. Yeah, uh, Triple yeah. H is putting himself in there mm. to be an afterthought. He's going to be mm. a focal point in some form or fashion. Yeah. I hoped that Shane might go early. Mm. Didn't necessarily expect it, but hoped it could happen because he went fairly early last year. Yeah, yeah. Orton didn't need to be in there as long as he was. Or, no, Orton, 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 been in the Orton Cena didn't role. need to be in there uh, that long. I'm not. I wasn't surprised by Strowman going over, but it wasn't necessarily what I expected. I thought they would have him go on a rampage of some sort without necessarily eliminating everyone. Mm. He could have laid waste to, to what was left or all of the, the team on SmackDown. Mm. And I anticipated something to do with Kane. Yeah, as a way of protecting him and getting him out of the match. Mm. Because I thought the way it's built, the, as again, I stress, the story is Kurt fighting mm. for his job. Mm. I saw this match as predictable as the women's Raw one in terms of like Asuka being the winner. I looked at that and said, well, Strowman's clearly going to be the sole survivor on this. That's how I saw yeah. it. I just thought he's going to be the winner because, again, he's the guy that apparently they're building and I believe they should build. If this was a year ago, I would be just as angry as everyone else about this match. I'd be infuriated that Nakamura got eliminated first. I'd be infuriated that Bobby Roode was just dispatched like for nothing. Roode, Roode, so, I expected so, Roode to be the first yeah. one gone. And, sure. and, 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 you know, Samoa Joe gone. Roode's struggling. Roode had yeah. already gone 50 yeah. 50 with Dolph Ziggler, so I had no yeah. aspirations for Roode. So, in this you, know, match. you know, with Joe going as well, first person on the Raw team, and then. But I've changed since then, and I've come to accept how WWE book. But I just thought Strowman Cena. I thought that could be really something there, where Cena continues to put people over because he's on the way out. When he got eliminated, I absolutely agree with your opinion on that. Uh, with with the match in terms of like it just it killed the crowd then, which is like the really weirdest thing, isn't it? Like it was when Cena got pinned that the crowd they were, died. They, they were they and were going, they, they, they were going there, but way... it was the fine, but it was the final straw. But I thought that was that, quite that was, humorous. John Cena was was the old yellow point of the match. But, so I ended up having fun watching the match, just through like a sheer macabre nature of just like this watching this watching your house burn down. You, you know, your house is burning down. Instead of panicking, you just laugh because you're just like, well, shit happens, I guess. You know, <laughs> it's that sort of thing. To your point, I don't think there's a lot. I I don't think there is a lot of shock or a lot of outrage out there. No, I mean I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not shocked. It's by more it. disappointment. I'm just, I was going to say, Pass I'm not that, shocked. I'm, I'm not, not outraged. I'm not angry. Yeah. I'm like that. I'm like that disapproving dad. I'm just 
disappointed. You need to move past that car. You need to move where I am now, which is just a general acceptance. Yeah, yeah but yeah, but by that point, G, if I, if I get to that stage, that that you know, it's the, over. The, 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 that's when you stop I, drinking. No, and remember no, worry. no. If, if if I get to sort of that real zenith, if you like, then there's there's no point in watching at all anymore. I, I may as well completely sack off the network and just stick with New Japan. Yeah. So that's that. I think that's I'm that close, Carl. Yeah, and it's it really is. It was like it's it's not the the fact that you couldn't see it coming it was almost the fact that you could absolutely see it coming yeah. prove and me wrong prove, prove me wrong, wrong because you've actually because you've got a chance and you rarely get this in WWE where it's like okay you've actually got the chance now to prove it wrong mm-hmm. and then you yeah. just fucking double down <laughs> <on it>. <laughs> you <laughs> just <laughs> ca- you just can't help yourselves yeah huh. they actually did these styles and Brock right maybe they'll do this right and then of course <laughs> well, that, that, that's where the frustration really kicks in because you know <laughs> in the same way the company talks about wins and losses don't matter you know, when they really yeah. want to, they can do things the way that you would hope they would. Look. Like Lesnar AJ, like booking Strowman strong, not having, not having him do 50-50. Like, at the moment, booking Oscar pretty strong. They know they know what the tools no, in the know. trade are. Triple H your shit knows, that's for yeah. sure. But they, <laughs> but they just either fool themselves. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it for people. They don't want to do it for people because they're afraid that if they give people stardom, they've got leverage. The same way Cena does, the same way Rock does. And and Austin went home. Yep. Rock went to Hollywood. And Brock's bending them over for this incredible deal for five minute matches every every couple of months. It's like they don't want to do that. They don't want to be in that position even though ultimately when it comes down to it they know as well as anybody it's a star driven business and they need to build stars and they can't do it they can't do it to save their life because and again whether it's nepotism from trip from, from the uh, the old trip standpoint because they they think that there's so much more value in him than there really is or ever was or ever was or the fact that again that, that the guy they're going with and it's a, I know that we're running short on time so I don't want to really get into this big long argument now about Strowman as a top baby face but I think there's a lot this was something that people were really lobbying for around the time of the Lesnar match yeah. that Strowman Strowman should you, know, you got lightning I'm in a bottle more, I'm probably more for that than most people Strowman yeah well, there's a lot of people that think that though and, and, and my thing at the time was be careful what you wish for because with a guy like this it changes the dynamic massively when he's the guy the uprising monster mm. which fundamentally is built to lose in the end to the one guy mm. who counts Rather than the monster who actually is the guy, because the dynamic changes where you the only guys, you know, then you got to build people yeah. for him. And what have yeah. they got? They got Kane. They've been building for him. And that Triple H, yeah. who they're building for, because they don't build any other stars to feed the big monster babyface. And you can't. That this company will not build that dynamic well. And the irony being that, uh, generally speaking, you don't book monsters as babyfaces because no. you need the one guy who is the babyface to slay the monster. Yeah. And again, I think the proof in the pudding was when when Strowman was in the position here to lay out the guys and beat the other guys, those cheers disappeared really fucking fast when he was pinning Nakamura and Orton and Rude and he was in there at the end. And I will give a little bit of credit to Triple H for the fucking great expression on his yeah. face when Strowman choked him out oh, yeah, and his great. eyes teared up and yeah. he looked like he'd seen he looked like he a ghost. Himself. It was brilliant. And that's, again, an- another annoying thing. <laughs> Triple H is actually, when he wants to be, fucking brilliant as a performer. Yeah. But goddamn, he just fucking can't help but smear his tiny balls all over <laughs> our faces every single time. Oh, your faces, he'll never do it to me again. <laughs> never. Just I come watch. out to the press. <laughs> it's been exposed. 
His tiny balls are being exposed. Oh my goodness. So that's our thoughts on Survivor Series. Stuart Simmons on the Facebook page says, AJ and Brock was very good. The opener was okay, but not great. The middle and near the end felt misjointed, or disjointed even. Uh, Big E looked lost at points in the opener. Uh, the main event was a mess, booking-wise, and actually pulling it off. I mean, all your full-time guys were pinned easily and no momentum apart from Braun. Kurt is struggling, can't even do angle slams anymore, and Triple H is looking super roided up. Phil Tutty says, Triple H gets a lot of praise from various quarters for all the great work he does in NXT. The trouble is, when those people like Balor, Joe, Nakamura, and Rude need that little bit of extra gloss on the main roster, they don't get it, because Triple H has to be in the spotlight. When he isn't in the spotlight, it has to be Shane McMahon in the spotlight, which is actually worse. Then you have Kurt Angle, who looks like some sort of Frankenstein monster made up out of 90-year-old skin and bones and fake tan. AJ and Brock was decent, but there was a better match to be had between them, and the rest was instantly forgettable. Strowman was the one person who came out of that main event better off, which is probably what Vince wanted anyway, and I'll actually disagree with that. Carlo Longhorn. New Day Shield was a fun match, but not technically great at points. The last quarter of the match seemed very clunky. Enjoyable overall as a match. Women's elimination match was average at best. Made no sense for Becky and Bailey to go early as two of the best performers in the match. It was all about getting Asuka, and that worked, uh, so not a disaster in all. Corbin versus Miz was not as bad as feared, but that translates into a D-grade match instead of an F-grade match. Vince still has a thing for Corbin, but no way he could lose that match in truth. Uso uh, versus The Bar was a great match. The finishing sequence was brilliant in execution, the second best match on the card for me. Uh, Flair Bliss was well played out, a few sloppy moments from Bliss, but nothing major. Both came out of the match well, I think. AJ Brock was awesome. Heyman's opening gambit was brilliant. Brock was brilliant. AJ was brilliant. The match was booked brilliantly. Just loved it. The men's elimination match was a cluster. Triple H and Shane get, the, get their own shirts, of course. Kurt looks terrible. No way he can be in any kind of singles match, let alone against Triple H. It was all about the McMahons, really. All those who sleep into the family. Shane being the last SD live guy was pathetic. So you have a match with Joe, Finn, Naka and Cena, and the headlines sent around Triple H and Shane McMahon. Man, what a screw-up. So many ways of getting brawn over without having Hunter involved, and where does that lead anyway? Brock Roman is a lock, so who is going to be uh, lined up for Braun at Mania as if they haven't even thought of this? I reckon it's going to be Triple H. I think Brock and Trips is what we're getting at Mania. Uh, Daniel Watkins says AJ Brock was excellent both men's best in ages the men's Survivor Series match started well and then fell apart big time Shield vs New Day didn't live up to the expectations I'd placed on it before overall the show was worth watching for AJ and Brock Gordon McLean says Lesnar's apathy streak finally ended at Survivor Series and it was glorious we saw the beast of old a generous monster who dominates and destroys but makes sure to make his opponent look good his selling of the calf crusher after the match as he hobbled away with Heyman's aid was a nice touch and really sold the idea to the audience that in kayfabe terms AJ got closer than anyone to slaying the beast uh, which actually I did like too I didn't even mention before about how I love the finish of the match. As simple yeah. as it was, yeah. the springboard into an F5 that looked like it yeah. just fucking wiped him out. Yeah. Simple as that. Because I liked I, it. Because I did hear like a few like complaints about like, and and it's happened like with a couple of matches. I think he did with um with I think Strowman and, and Joe as well about like, oh, it only took one F5 to beat him. It's like yeah, it's called protecting the finish. Yeah, that's what it's called, guys. It's just like this is the thing, and this came up because of like people like Austin and Rock and so on, like pushing the agenda mm -hmm. up, kicking out of multiple finishers, that people now just come accustomed to it. And I think it's just going to take a while and a lot more people to do it to actually protect their finishers, to get people to realise, like, you shouldn't be kicking out of everybody's finishers every fucking match because yeah. it's not a finisher then. And the only, just the only other point just uh, on, on that final match is uh, how bad, like, Shane being in the last of the uh, SmackDown Live guys was compounded 
by the three minutes we had to wait whilst he was at oh, ringside yeah. waiting to get back in the ring. So like, get on with it! Maybe thought there was a replay airing. Who knows? They might have. Oh, they might have. It might have been like the... And uh, the last bit of feedback came from the uh, fantastic, adorable Stacey Louise who simply said, Triple H is a wanker at the end. Yeah. And I can't, I can't agree more. It just felt like, didn't it just feel to me like he just he can't be on the show without being the top heel. Yeah. The top issue... Even Lesnar feels secondary compared to the focus of Triple H and Strowman. Yeah. And it's like, that's bad. And and heading to WrestleMania, again, we always usually talk a little bit, and uh, yeah, again, we haven't got much longer, about the beyond. The beyond. The beyond. Of, of We're getting Angle and Trips. We're getting Triple H and Strowman. I think that's going to be Mania. We're getting Brock and Roman at Mania. is still the oh. plan at the moment. And then, and then from there, everybody else, as we've learned on this card, doesn't even fucking matter. Interchangeable. Interchangeable. Doesn't matter. The only other thing we might get at Mania with any significance, I'll, I'll predict it now. We can, you know, you can date stamp this. Winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Oh, go on. Lars Sullivan. You think he's winning it straight away? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Gee, who do you think is going to win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, following in the footsteps of such top stars as Cesaro, Mojo, Rowley, and Baron Corbin? Oh, I forgot Mojo. Uh, I, yeah, um, I, I won't be watching it. Unless, <laughs> unless, I'm going to tell you now, unless there's uh, serious changes which aren't going to happen, I will probably watch WrestleMania on Fast Forward the next day. You'll watch all of it. You know you will. <laughs> I, I think the winner of the Andre Battle Royal will be Jinder Mahal. And on that high note, we are going to end this show in the only way that I can feel appropriate, and that is with an homage to the Velveteen Dream. Yes! The only glimmer of hope in G. John Chase's wrestling ah, fandom. He's so beautiful! <laughs> Again, we will be back next week here at Squared Circle Gazette Radio to talk about Crazy Like a Fox, the definitive chronicle of Brian Pillman 20 years later with Matt Holt uh, interviewing us on that one, so that's going to be a lot of fun, and we will be back then. So thank you very much for listening. For Carl Jones. You wrote a book. And for G. John Chase. Yeah, it felt pretty good on the whole. What do you think, Carl? I can be my rock and we are out of here. Talk to you again next week. Why the sudden change? Say my name, say my name. If no one is around you, say baby I love you. If you ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady, ain't calling me baby. Better say my name. The other day, I would call, you would say, baby how's your day?